Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast, where today we're going to talk about the cunning, the sneaky, the rat men, the skaven. Um, and today I've got a, a very special guest, Joe Manji. Hello, Joe. Hi, how's it going? You played Blood Bowl for a bit, haven't you, Joe? Yeah, probably too long, but yeah, still, <laughs> still sticking with it. <laughs> too old to quit. I was going to say, unfortunately, in this lockdown era, there's actually not a lot else we can do. We can crack on and play a bubble online, can't we? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And one, one of the first uh, quick question I was going to ask you before we dive straight into Skaven. So listeners, as you know, you've listened to a few of the, uh, of the podcasts that I've done. Um, and usually we like to follow like the Spike Mag um, format because I'm, I'm actually a really big fan of Games Workshop and the way they're taking the game. Um, and before I come to you, Joe, I've played Blood Bowl for fucking... 20 plus years. I had a big gap, but I played it for a really long time. It's been a game that has been, you know, I've hugely enjoyable and played all through my life. Um, and, um, and Games Workshop dropped it, obviously, for a long time and picked it back up. And the reason I started playing it again was because Games Workshop brought it back into our lives and they've, they've started taking it in what I think is a, is a really positive and, um, and really good direction. So usually we use the Spike magazines. Like I think that the Spikes actually take the old school teams that we know and love and uh, bring them into the fora Blood Bowl. And, and I think they really take the vets along with them, but also bring new people into the game. Yeah. Um, so what do you think of the Spikes and the way that, way that that goes, Joe? Yeah, I really like them. I think the thing I like most about them is that they really plug into the, um, like the second mission fluff and all that kind of stuff, like the real old time it's like. So they're not like abandoning the history and all that kind of stuff. They're like taking those little bits from the history and the old fluff and bringing them through whilst also you know, doing all their new stuff as they always do. So yeah, I really enjoy that part of it particularly. And getting... Um, Pete Nifton back to do all the art and the comics and stuff and it's like yeah for an old nerd it's like a really nice little treat to see all that kind of stuff. No it's good isn't it yeah and actually it's interesting you say that because they've actually melded it a little bit with some of the Age of Sigmar fluff so I was wondering if like some of the old fuddy-duddies like you might get grumpy about that because if you look at um so for example like in the Nurgle uh review that I did quite recently actually like literally this week with Mark uh, we talked about uh, the beasts of Nurgle have now turned to the Rotspawn and I find that I don't really like that personally. I'm a bit of a more of a new wave kind of guy, but I'm like, why not keep them the beasts of Nurgle? You know, that's what I would have done. I think that the beasts are fine. Um, but Rotspawn is, they call them the Rotspawn now. And that's like quite specifically like an Age of Sigmar type thing that they're kind of bringing into Blood Bowl, which is, which is cool. And I, and I like that, um, you know, Blood Bowl, as we know, Joe, is, is this alternative universe to... Um, to the old world like it's it's this like universe where we use sports instead of fighting to, <laughs> to like to, to you know um, sort our differences out um, but what do you think about bringing the Age of Sigma stuff into it do you think that's cool? I hadn't actually noticed that was a thing um, I don't mind it too much it's, it's not too important to me what they're called I'm pretty much a, a gamer rather than a, um, a painter or stuff like that so I don't really care what they're called they can call them you know electricians <laughs> for all I care. Well, and that and actually that kind of underlies what I'm saying that they're doing it and that's that's actually why I like it because they're doing it so subtly that you know the the kind of veteran gamers like yourself who played it for so long don't, don't really care it doesn't no. really yeah it doesn't really affect you that much but some of the new guys who play Age of Sigmar and play the other games well okay yeah, that, that makes more sense to me like some of these names kind of make sense to me and bring it in that's that's interesting but it's, it's just good to get your your sort of insight into that because you played it for so long yeah that's cool Right, we're going to dive straight into the Skaven roster. So, ladies and gents, we're going to pretty much run the, exactly the same format as we've run in 
other podcasts, we'll have a look at the roster first and look at the star players. Uh, as I said, because the Spike magazine isn't available yet, I really hope they do do a Skaven Spike magazine because that would be super cool. Um, but um, isn't available yet, so we'll go through the Fumble Stars. Do you think that's the right uh, list to use, Joe? Um, we could do that. I've got there's the um, the NAF list of like the okay. official um, tournament stars, so that might also be. It depends what league you're playing, and I guess what you, what you can use. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we can. Uh, I'll I'll pr- what I'll do is I'll run through the the fumble stars and then we'll we'll compare it to the sure. to the NAF list and see if there's any differences and, and we can bring that in. Um, but first of all, let's dive into the actual roster itself. So um, as we know, Joe, and we're going to talk about the tactics in a little bit. But you know, Skaven are effectively super speedy, uh, but also quite glass cannony, aren't they? Absolutely. Well, I mean, to have a glass cannon, you kind of need a cannon, and that's the <laughs> sort of thing they're missing. The sort of a, a glass uh, slipper, almost. But unless you wanted to use the Ratog, which I'm assuming you're not a fan of. It depends. Um, in tournaments, they're a lot better than they are in leagues. In leagues, they're just a complete waste of time, almost. It's just okay. too much TV. But yeah, in tournaments, um, I think heard someone uh, describe them as a Ratoga delivery system once uh, in tournaments. <laughs> really, so they're quite important to, to some people. Yeah, no, I can absolutely see, absolutely see how they fit into the playstyle. So, like, um, it'd be good to have a little chat later on about because I, you know me, I like my big guys and and how they fit into the list. So it'd be good to have a debate about that. But first of all, um, let's talk about the uh, the Skaven linemen. They are their zero to sixteen player. Um, Their movement seven, so nice and fast. Strength three, agility three, armor value seven. No skills off the bat, and they've got general access. So, yeah, not they're squishy. They're not the ones you want on the line getting hit, are they? But they are pretty quick. Yeah, they're fine. I mean, with a lineman, you're never going to get anything special. But the the movement seven is really nice. Um, as well, everybody on the team is fast, but like speed is one of the most underrated uh, characteristics in Blood Bowl. Um, you know, winning a game is all about putting your people in the right position and the faster your players are, the better able you are to put them in the right places, which is why teams like Dwarves get caught out so often if things go slightly wrong for them, they haven't got the speed to catch up. And that movement seven on the lineman is actually really, really good. I mean, obviously the armor seven is a problem, but um, <laughs> the strength three and agility three, they can do a lot of things. They're just almost the same as a human lineman in a lot of ways. Um, they've quite, uh, got a lot of utility um, and they can do surprising things they're not a zombie you can't just you don't just abandon them and leave them somewhere and you know they'll do a job they can actually you know, pick up the ball pass the ball run places so yeah they can't they're they're useful they're not just complete waste of space and that's interesting because we spoke on um we spoke on a couple of podcasts now, actually we spoke about the zombies uh we spoke about the rotters as well and those two are really players that you almost like laugh in glee when they die and get like stuck in the they're like yeah chuck them in front of some expensive player and that's fucking you can fucking kill them i don't really care um yeah. but actually it's interesting what you say about the skaven linemen they're, they're not that kind of player they're really important to the team and you need to use them in the right way don't you Sure. I mean, it, it wouldn't be Skaven if they didn't have sacrificial players to just throw in, <laughs> yeah. in the way of people. <laughs> and often, as, as the least good player, they do take that role, but they do have you know, other, other values. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the difference to the human linemen, isn't it, really, is that they're faster, but less tough. So, yeah. so what, I, I guess one question I'd ask you about the human linemen before we move on to the next positional is like... Um, if you were a player playing with them, would you want to mark up with them? Like, so for example, if they were lying on the ground, uh, would you want to stand them up and mark players, or is it more of a dodge away kind of thing? Or how do you want to use them in terms of controlling space with them? It's really situational on what's going on in the game, um, but generally, it's better to have someone stood up than it is trapped on the floor. Like, even if they're going to die next turn, you know, standing up and dying is doing something at least which being on the floor, you're doing nothing. So at least you've tied up one play for one turn. So worst case scenario, 
he kills, he dies, that's fine. So yeah, I mean, it depends if you're trying to. It's so game situational. Like there's lots of times where just standing up and marking a mummy with a lineman is the best possible thing that a guy can do. And other times where you know on turn two you don't want to stand next to a mummy because it's just too early in the game. You're not going to get a huge amount of value from marking him up. So maybe you'll dodge then later in a turn game. Just let him die. So yeah, it's it's very situational. Okay. It's not. It's definitely not a zombie. You're not just going <laughs> to stand him up and ignore him. You, you have to think about it each turn. But yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that comes e- on even more. We haven't talked about the ever like say like a dwarf lineman who's armor nine or yeah. an orc lineman or something where it's like a no-brainer. Like you're pretty much always going to stand that guy up and just mark up as much as you can because if they're tying up players, it's amazing. Whereas oh. a skaven lineman, you might want to use that movement to to put them somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely correct. And and it's interesting moving through the roster you'll see, ladies and gents. So that's only. F- He's only 50k, the Skaven lineman, so he's the same as a human lineman. He's actually sort of about the average kind of price. There are some 40k linemen, but I guess with that movement is what pushes it up. But moving on to the rest of the roster, they're all quite cheap. They're quite uh, affordable, I'd say. Yeah, that's one of the things about Skaven is that every player is, is value for money. There is, yeah. you know, um, like some elf players, you, they seem really expensive. Obviously, they're good, but they, they're expensive out of the gate. You need to develop them a little bit before you get the value for the money you're spending. Whereas Skaven players, they start worth the money now that's that absolutely makes sense and we'll move on so we'll move on now to the blitzer the skaven blitzer who i love personally i haven't played skaven properly but i played underworld and i get pretty much the same player who's actually better because he gets mutations off the bat which is awesome uh, but the uh, the skaven blitzer you only get two of them so zero to two not four like the human blitzers um they've got similar uh, stats out of the bat so they're movement seven strength three agility three armor eight and block so exactly the same stats out of the bat um and they've got general and strength access so yeah they are literally the same as a human blitzer uh, for the same price 90k uh, but you can get mutations on a double which is pretty cool um yeah what do you think of these guys joe yeah they're amazing they feel amazing on the skaven team that armor <laughs> eight just, <laughs> it doesn't seem like much like a human team everybody's armor eight you don't care but on the skaven team it feels so nice just to have that. And every time someone rolls exactly eight on the armor, you just feel so good when it's <laughs> on a blitzer. But yeah, they're, they're, really, they're really powerful and they've got such, so many good development paths as well that they can turn into absolute monsters. Um, and they can, really, they can really define the team. Like Gutteron is obviously, you know, what everybody thinks about when they think about Skaven, but blitzers can be so powerful. They can develop into killers with claw and stuff or they can develop... You know, so very just situational players, the garden stuff. There's so many good skills they can get that it, that can help the whole team out. That they're just a real central part of the game. And that's a danger with them, actually, isn't it? Because I, I I really ran into this. I played um, Norse in uh, the last uh, Dragon Ball League, um, and I, in terms of my bash style, I tend to like to control control space with marking. Like that's yeah. how I like to play the game. So more like your dwarves and your orcs and to an extent you're human depending on who you're playing but that that's like my bash style oh and actually undead as well using a mummy and stuff i like to mark players up and stop them from moving um so when i played norse um you, you obviously can't do that because most of your players are armor seven so i i fell into that trap using uh, using the ult so i was like oh well these guys are strength four armor eight you know I'm, they're my only armor eight player so i was ramming my ults into positions where I wanted to try and stop people from moving and trolling space. And I did okay in the league. Like it, it works in my style, but it is a danger of that's not how the team should play. And I think that's the same here in the Skaven actually is like, you might see the armor rate and go, cool, well, I'm going to use my blitzer to mark this guy up because he's a bit tougher, but that's yeah. absolutely not how to use him. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, 
the most expendable player is the guy who needs to mark somebody and the blitzer is an important player who needs to be going <laughs> to the places and doing the things so yeah and that's why he's got the movement as well to go and do that i mean like if you get like a blodge blitzer that's awesome because then he can, or i've had an agility for blitzer as well before which is really cool yeah. uh, if you get that that's the holy grail uh but yeah we'll talk about how to skill the players up later on so we've gone through the linemen and the blitzers the next players are probably what uh would be the reason to play these cunning rat men the gutter runners and they are fucking cheap but we'll, t- we'll talk through the stats first i think they're really cheap for their i've been talking get. about how underpriced they are for 20 years so cheap yeah, but anyway, you get four of them their movement nine which as you said is the holy grail for blood bolt it's amazing uh, they're only strength two but kind of who cares for the type of stuff they do uh, agility four armor seven uh, they've got dodge off the bat, which is amazing. They've got this weird weeping dagger skill, which we'll talk about in a sec. Uh, and then they've got as general access, uh, sorry, as normal access, general and agility. So you're going to be blodging immediately. You've got the agility for sidestepping, um, wrestle, strip, all the really good skills. And they can still get mutations. So if you roll that double, you can get sorts of crazy stuff. And we'll talk about a couple of the stars later on, which have got access to some of these crazy muta- mutations. But yeah, you said gutter runners, 80k for all of that. It's just, yeah. Yeah. If you compare them to um, like a high elf blitzer that's 90k, um, doesn't start with any skills, one less movement, it's got a higher point of strength, but not having the dodge is just um, so good on the starting players. Um, yeah, it's insane. Uh, I, after, I think after War Dancers, the second most hated player in all of Blood Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and the, the stuff they do to you, and you, when you just think you've got the game locked down, it's just you think it's Yeah, and we t- we talk on almost every podcast about like your fouling target. Like we talked about, um, so Dark Elves with uh, guns. We talked about the Witch Elves mm-hmm. up there with um with War Dancers that we haven't done a Wood Elf one yet. But you know, maybe Jay, you might want to come and talk about Wood Elves. But uh, War Dancers are right up there, um, and then Gutter Runners are definitely in that. And it's interesting. With gutter runners, is that there's four of them. So, like, fouling war dancers or witch elves is great because there's 50% of them that die if you get rid of them. But because there's four gutter runners, it's much less impactful if you kill one with a foul. So, you have to like be a lot more judicious Targeted. about it. Yeah, no, that, make, that makes perfect sense. It's really interesting. Um, but they're absolutely up there with the complete elite of the game. I don't think there's is there any other player that's like zero to four that's that good? There probably isn't. There, most of them are zero so. to two. Yeah. That's the sheer thing, isn't it? They're Definitely so cheap. not that annoying. No. <laughs> you get so many of them. I know. And listeners, we'll talk a little bit more later about like how you can skill them up. But what about this weeping dagger skill? I mean, and I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. I actually can't remember off the top of my head what it does. It's something to do with it does more injury stuff, doesn't it, to your opponent? Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember offhand. I think if you roll a badly hurt on someone, you get to roll a dice on a four-up, it turns into a miss next game. Okay. So it's, it's one of those things that kind of, fucks over your opponent and people have whinged about it because they say like well it doesn't affect my game so why does it matter but it, it does matter because if you're playing in in like a league or a conference or something where they're going to play some of your other opponents then it's something that you can use to make them worse than that and then you might do better than them over the league so it's not you know i, yeah, I wouldn't say it does like, nothing trying to making your opponent's team worse for the next game is not something you want to do you want to make them good so they beat other people in your league so um, that's the argument people always make about turn uh, 16 fouls. It's like, oh, killing your opponent's team is good, but it's not. You want the people you've already played and you never have to play again, you want them to be strong. And the people you haven't played yet, you want them to be weak. So what you want is if you, game one, you play somebody, 
you want their team to be strong. So next week they kill the player you're going to play in week three. So that's how the much better way of developing a league is to keep the people you don't have to deal with again strong. So they kill the people you do have to deal with. That's so right often. It's kind of a disaster from a game design point of view because it's, it's anti-fun. Like it doesn't do anything in the game itself. It just makes your opponent sad. When, you, <laughs> when you're designing a game, like you, you want someone to feel happy if someone else has to feel sad. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of like the one. It's fun, no, yeah. I can see that, and 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 I think I think I probably agree. And I'm, did you did you have a comment to say about this? And I know you were doing some of the play testing. Did you say like this is not a good idea? Did some of the people say? Oh no, this is way good, before or? my time. So oh, uh, okay, because yeah, you would have thought that people would have said that. I mean, like this is. But I, having said that, I've done some Age of Sigmar play testing, and we've said stuff and. Sometimes they just go for whatever they think fits in with it. So that's fine. But yeah, I think I agree. In terms of like a player perspective, and we've spoken on the podcast quite a lot of times about Blood Bowl being, and, uh, and I think you probably agree, Joe, as a slight segue. But like Blood Bowl, I don't know, do you play any other games, special games or stuff like that? Or are you literally uh, not anymore. Warhammer? I used to play 40k and Warhammer back in the day. But... So, it's, so it's quite an interesting juxtaposition, isn't it, between Blood Bowl, where like Blood Bowl is unashamedly a game where it's like, yes, it's a competitive game. But it's also like Wood Elves are good, uh, Skaven are good, Lizardmen are good, etc. Halflings, Goblins, etc. are shit. If you want to win, take the good teams. If you don't really care, take the shit teams. And there's a plethora in between. And there's no like, and I and from never from Games Workshop, and actually from the NAF in between, and all all the stuff that's gone around it. Has there ever been like an, a real attempt to like try and balance the game? It's not about that. It's about having fun with playing it. And yeah, if you want to win, you take the good teams. Yeah, that's part of the game design. There should be bad teams on purpose, um, so that people can challenge themselves. Like if you were if you rock up to a new league and you discover you're the best coach there, you want to be able to challenge yourself. You don't want to go in with undead every week and just make people's days terrible. <laughs> make them sad. <laughs> so next, if you find Is that, that you, out, Joe? Are you that fucking bastard bringing the undead and making people's days terrible? I think, you um, play, I think actually you played me in my first season of the ECBBL and made my day terrible. Yeah, no, Karen. That's yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not from the Blood Bowl point of view, just, just in general. Oh uh, uh, yeah, so you can, next, you can take halflings, you know, fun. Everyone can have fun and that's the whole point. You, there's different levels to challenge yourself. There is um, a group of Danish people who are trying to balance all the teams. Oh, they make everything okay. the same. Um, I don't think which, that's the point, though. It's, it's, I think it's terrible, but we might yeah. have to play it in Malta in the Eurobowl <sighs> in 2022 because they're really popular over there. As well. okay. So that might be a thing. But yeah, it's yeah, it's a shame. But I, yeah, it's fantastic. Like in other games like Warhammer and 40k, it seems like there are differing power levels, but it doesn't seem like they're deliberate. And they're um, definitely not a Stark, I would say. You know, like, and it, but even like, you know, the most recent GW release, the Snot thing is coming out, which I think look like fucking hilarious. And I think, and I, and you'd probably agree with this sentiment, Joe, when I first saw the rules, like, and read them. And so I saw, I literally saw, you know, one of the, um, one of the rumors coming through. I think I just read the Warhammer community page and saw them coming through. And, uh, and I, and actually on the Warhammer community page, it didn't say anything about the trolls as well, which like was later confirmed that, yeah, they will have trolls on the roster. I was like, fuck me, these guys look fucking shit. A lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. But really shit. So like you know, and that's like, and it said in the blurb like these yeah. guys are shit at Blood Bowl. Like that's like, that's like, and that's great, and I fucking love it. It's fun. It's really fun. The team's almost incidental with Snotlings. Everybody just wants Snotling models, don't they? I think that's the thing that you know, <laughs> Games Workshop the like, audience. So yeah, I know, and and, that, and and I think, but but it but it just goes to show that Games Workshop fuel that they're like some teams are shit, some teams are good, and that's yeah. that's not a problem with Blood Bowl, which I really love. 
Cool. Well, we've segued slightly off the gutter on it, so we'll move on from one of the best games in Blood, uh, the best, the best players in Blood Bowl. We'll talk about a bit more later and how to skill them. Uh, but let's move on to the throwers. And yeah, Joe. I mean, I'll run through the stats before you jump in. But these are one of the actual, probably one of the minority of throwers in the game. You know, there are others like high elves and other throwers that are actually really, really useful. Um, they are movement seven, uh, strength three. Agility 3 and Armor 7. They've got pass and sure hands off the bat and general and passing skills. And what I think what really sets them apart, because they're you know, effectively Skaven basically become a running team that can do this two-turn touchdown, but they're so fast. Like I always whinge about um, uh, Orc throwers is something, and, and maybe we'll talk on another podcast about Orcs, but I fucking hate that they're movement 5. Like I don't use Orc throwers because they're movement 5. Um, and it's almost the same with with humans like they've got movement six throwers and their running team and all of their team wants to move really fast and it's often a problem in blood bowl but the throwers are super super useful aren't they yeah they're great i mean both pass and particularly your hands are just fantastic skills especially early on um i always type, i always take at least one in a, in a team both in tournaments and in leagues and they just they really find a place it means you can use a gutter runner to do something else i think that's their main their best, the thing they're best at is that he can go, the thrower can go and pick the ball up. And that means you've got four gutter runners to be threats to score. Otherwise, you'd have to use a gutter runner at the back and then you'd have to, you know, you've got less opportunities. So, yeah, that's the, the movement seven, as you say, is a key thing. And um, so, Johans in particular is one of the, in tournaments, one of the ways that they're really good against what else. They um, often, often can be used to target them because you can be immune to strip ball in that way. And, um, and I think the movement as well lets them. It lets them sit really deep, doesn't it, in a way that some throwers can't because they haven't got agility four, which, no. you know, like a high elf thrower or another thrower could sit deep and then just lob it up the field. But until they get accurate, the movement seven allows you to have a gut runner maybe around the mid mid thing. You can still sit really deep with a Skaven thrower and play that kind of more spread game, which is really good. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, a, a really strong player. And we'll talk about how to how to develop them in leagues a bit more later. And then finally... And they're only 70k, so the same as a human throw. And I, I would prefer to have this dude in the human team for sure. Like plus one movement, minus one armor. I would, I would take that in the human team yeah, <laughs> every absolutely. day. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the maligned. But um, yeah, I quite like him, and and maybe sort of give your initial thoughts, and we'll talk about him in both a league and a tournament setting later. The Ratoga, the Ratoja. Uh, he's quite quick actually for a big dude. I always forget how quick he is. He's movement six, uh, strength five, as you'd expect for a big guy. Uh, agility 2, oh, who cares, uh, armor value 8, um, and then he's got loner, frenzy, which is nice on a big guy, I think, uh, mighty blow, prehensile tail, which is really useful, but then that sort of juxtaposed with wild animals, so it's a little bit of a confusing skill package there, the sort of prehensile tail, I want to mark people up, wild animal thing. Yeah, he's expensive. I think that's the key thing. And he's oh, he's, yeah. So he's 150k. Blimey, is 10k more than? Oh no, miners are 150k. Aren't they? Yeah, same as the mino, yeah, but without minor. horns um, and without thick skulls. So he's probably the most fragile big guy, and also the most expensive. Oh, he definitely is. Because most we were talking about this the other day. Most big guys have got thick skull, but not the ratoga. I think just not, I'm trying to think which, uh, no, all the other big guys do. The tree man does as well, doesn't he? Yeah. And apart from the minor, so they've all got armor nine as well. Yeah. So they've um, all got thick skull apart from the rat ogre. Oh, sorry. And the snow troll's got armor as well. But yeah, he is the, the, the easiest to get rid of. He's, yeah. He can be really useful, you know, on a team that's all strength three otherwise or strength two. Um, so strength five is great. He can be really useful. Um, in leagues, this can be 
really difficult to skill up, a bit of a, um, a liability. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's got uses, but he's definitely not um, the star of the team. Yeah, I mean, he can, he can, I mean, the thing he can do is just break open a cage really quickly, can't he? Because he's got strength five. So he can get straight in there and do that in a way that maybe with extra strength two on the team, he might yeah, not be able to do that. Snow is the best thing on him because um, you can just use that. It's a you know, standard escape and tactic. It's just to shove him into the cage, mark the ball carrier, and then shove everybody else in. So, so they can't shift them. Your opponent has to make a dodge at minus one. Yeah. Um, and that's the main thing that he's you know, good at. Do you at. think he'd be better if he didn't have Wild Animal then, if he had Bonehead or something similar? Um, he definitely would be, yeah, absolutely. Bonehead's better than Wild Animal. But the Frenzy and the Wild Animal kind of go together. Um, Frenzy's great. You know, It allows you to narrow the pitch without, well, without having to do anything. So his movement six combined with Frenzy means your opponent can't go next to the sideline if you leave him in the middle of the pitch. So um, you can just create gaps to run gutter runners through without having to do anything. You don't even need to activate the, the Rato gutter to get that. So yeah, that is, that's one use, but it's quite expensive. Working and that's the thing. And, and as we'll talk about in a bit, um, you can definitely skill your blitzers along that direction anyway to provide the same sort of threat, sure. can't you? Yeah. Um, if you want to. Um, right. And that, that sort of uh, rounds up the Skaven roster. Um, one other thing to talk about very briefly is um, they got 60k rerolls, which is which is fine. That's pretty average. We talked about on the other podcast about you know the difference between 50 and 70k and some teams really struggle with the cost of their rerolls. And actually in the last one, we talked about Nurgle and how mm. 70k rerolls actually in a way I kind of think it would almost fix a team if they had like 10k off their re-rolls because they really struggle to get players off the bat yeah and definitely it's, it's one of those weird things um, I, 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 and I don't know and I know that I can't ask Joe about the future of Blood Bowl about whether that's going to change to a more relaxed but it's interesting how they have different re-roll numbers I mean why, what's the history of that in the past? It's just a balancing mechanism um, there was a, a time back in the day where Chaos Dwarves had 50k re-rolls and they were the best team in the game and they gave them 70 key rerolls and it fixed them. Um, mm. So it is just literal balance. So you just think that teams like Nurgle and stuff, that they've probably just got it slightly wrong and, and hopefully yeah, that will yeah, catch up. That, that could be definitely the case. I mean, the different teams uh, are good at different levels of TV. Yeah, so sure. Nurgle are terrible at 100, but they're amazing at 200. So you have to you know, balance them at all levels, essentially. So maybe they're 70K because they need a pegging back at that sort of level so yeah that makes sense and it's interesting with the skaven like 50 60k reels doesn't really make a difference actually with the skaven they don't really struggle for the for the cost do they i mean because the players are so cheap they can kind of um not have to worry about it too much it's teams like um nurgle like you say with expensive players that have more problem with it and I've just always found it weird because like, I play Underworld and Underworld have got 70k rerolls and that's because they're like one of these you know, quote-unquote hybrid teams like Pact that were brought in a bit later and probably f- sort of almost fan-made originally and then have come into the lore and become a bit more, more of a regular feature but people worry about like giving teams like that too much. <laughs> too many. And, maybe that, and they talk about rerolls being because it's because like Pact, because Pact's got 70k as well, haven't they? Am I making yeah, 60. Are they? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say because the more expensive they talk about in the fluff and them like not wanting to play together as much in the underworld and that's why they've got higher levels. Yeah, I can't remember, but I have a suspicion that the underworld reroll cost is just fluff. Because <laughs> it's just because they don't want to play together. Yeah, because they hate <laughs> yeah. each other and they argue. So yeah. that's fair. I mean, and actually, having played underworld quite a lot, it doesn't it doesn't really make a difference to the underworld. They don't desperately need rerolls. Like they have built in rerolls and a lot of stuff they do, so it doesn't. Yeah really matter but some teams as we alluded to the Nurgle are just fucking nightmare we talked about on the last one I was like uh, we were working out rosters and we were like if they were 10k cheaper this would 
be much much better but <laughs> anyway we got there so yeah 60k um and they do get an apothecary obviously because they don't have any regen or anything that built in um right let's move on to the star players so we we're talking a bit off air and um joe's got the you've got the naf um yeah. stars up haven't you so i'll talk through the fumble ones i think they're probably the same um but if not you know you can jump in and we'll we'll compare them quickly there's sure. uh, there's a few on here but yeah we'll, we'll fly through these. so we got fez glitch first who's a ball and chain um and a lot of these stars joe and we'll talk about it very briefly but sometimes like don't fit so well into some teams as well as even others because he fez glitch for example is available to un- underworld and skaven isn't he so he's it's going to be a common theme with the skaven star players that they're better in underworld than they are in skaven. <laughs> in the skaven, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway he's so very quickly he's move, he's a movement four ball and chain so he's movement four strength seven agility three interesting with no hands but yeah fair enough uh, and, and and ball and chain on value seven but yeah he's got the agility three in there which is excellent uh, he's a ball and chain disturbing presence which is nice a foul appearance also quite nice on a ball and chain uh, no hands and secret weapon for only 100k so he's quite a cheap ball and chain isn't he yeah yeah he's fine um skaven uh in leagues when you've got 100k to spend he's fine he's really useful um there's also uh, a sneaky one turn uh touchdown thing you can do with face glitch where you put three gutter runners in a line on the line of scrimmage and then face glitch behind them and then push the gutter runners forward. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're going to three-dice them and pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get them yeah, multiple easy. times as well. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. No, I like that. Yeah, he's, he's fine. He's useful. Like, um, there's not... Because you get sent off, you're not going to be too um, too excited about keeping him. Um, and there is another uh, ball and chain Skaven star player. Yeah, I mean it's going Greek, to him now. Russ so he's Gouger, Greek, so. Russ Gouger, yeah, I've got him. So he's um yeah, he's faster for mm. a start. Movement five, strength seven, agility two. Oh no, he's one less agility. Uh, arm value nine. Oh no, uh, he's got mighty blow, prehensile tail, which is amazing. Uh, yeah. Ball and chain, loan and no hand secret weapon, and he's only thirty k more. So yeah, as you say, significantly better, isn't he? Yeah, in the French community, they think this guy's broken. They think, he, they think he's ruined blah, blah. Well, they I do. mean, movement five. Movement five is probably quite fast for a ball and chain. Is that what they're... They, they, but they I think it's, it's the movement, movement five and the... It's amazing. And the prehensile tail and the mighty blow. I think those three things over Fez glitch make him amazing. I mean, also you've got your arm nine, which is, means he can't only be stabbed. Only 30k. Yeah. yeah. With, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so you can't just go and hit him. Yeah. Can't be, and a lot harder to chainsaw as well, stuff like that. So he's... Yeah. I've not used him yet. The French absolutely go bananas about him. I think he's amazing. So all I can say is, is that um, Wolfen took uh, both, I think, Creek and Feds Glitch to NAF last year to the NAF champs mm. um, and did terribly. So, I mean, that's, like, really badly. Like, I think he came up to me at the uh, uh, sort of the start of the first day, the second day, I think, we're having lunch. He's like, this is the worst tournament I've ever done in my life. So it, like, it, yeah. it went that badly for He me. only took them because he wanted to have quick games, but then he made his opponents have, like, mental breakdowns trying to think about what the, what, <laughs> the, what the ball, ball. chains were going to do. So all his games went to time because his opponents were just so scared and worried about the ball of chains. <laughs> okay, to do. So he, did, he got the, the worst of both worlds. Oh, dear. Wolfen. There we go. Well, uh, I should get him to talk. come on and talk about something, should I? What does Wolfen know about? Anything? Um, <laughs> well, I've done Dark Elves. That's probably knows Dark Elves. I know that. Oh, Norse he does actually. Norse does and Men, I think. Or yeah, so, I think so he maybe Norse. Talk about Norse. Yeah. yeah, I'll get him on to talk about Norse, and he does. He can talk, unlike you, Joe. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine, 
mate. Uh, but yeah, no, Creek, Ruskalja. So yeah, um, and as we said, both the ball and chains, they're just probably not players you're going to take in Skaven, are they? I mean, that's one of the underlying themes. I mean, you, there's a, an argument you could try and break a cage down and then get a gutter runner in and um, sneak the ball out. But they're kind of, Skaven are too good almost to worry about playing with gimmicks, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So um, if you're a team like Underworld, you love gimmicks because you've got terrible players. So you want to try and increase the randomness of the game and try and get stuff working. But Skaven are so good, they don't need to mess around with stuff like this. They can just um, play normally. Yeah, and ball and chains can um, go as badly for you as they can for your opponent. So you're, you're risking your um, valuable players and your game plan for you know, 60, 40 shots and stuff, but you don't need to take. And that's exactly what we spoke about on a couple of the other race reviews, Joe. And I'm sure you'd agree. And we actually mentioned your name on them. I'm sure you've listened to all of these podcasts in full. So you, you, I'm sure you know. <laughs> but uh, but um, we actually mentioned your name in terms of that's true. So like, for example, for um, what we're talking about, uh, Dark Elves and, and um, what other teams are we talking about where they're immattered. Teams that don't need things like this, where they're playing the averages. So if you're a really good power gamer but no a really good blood bowl player um you're going to play the averages you want it you want your game to go as to the dice as possible that makes sense so chucking in chainsaws chucking in ball and chains chucking in anything like that just doesn't make any sense because why would you play that game if you want to do well like that's, yeah. that's, so that's, that's the beauty of blood bowl is that those tools are available to um less experienced coaches so they can have fun and have shots at trying to beat people that they have, might be better than them for example that's one of the exciting things about sitting down in a game of blood bowl um you never know whether you're going to win or lose like yeah, i mean for sure Last year, I lost to a guy in his fourth ever game. I've been playing for <laughs> 27 years. Yeah, um, sure. And that's fine. That's good. That's a good part of Blood Bowl. That's what makes it exciting and draws us back to playing it every, you know, every week, every day sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas things like, um, you know, so a lot of guys have gone into Guild Ball. Um, oh, yeah. I've tried a little bit of that. But it's, what, but it's more like what you've said. It's just averages, isn't it? There's no yeah. randomness. But what I'm heard is that if you're better than somebody, you just win. You just automatically yeah, exactly. win. There's no randomness. There's no you just and you can do it in 20 minutes as well. You can just dispatch them and then go and have a drink at the bar and stuff, which is a completely different feeling. But it doesn't. It's not you know. You, I think you could play that for a year or two and then get bored. But the thing about Blood Bowl is it, it's always on a knife edge. You never feel like you've definitely won um, or lost. So you kind of you know that's the excitement, the thing that drags you in. I think. And I'll bring. I'll say that to Gagster actually, and when. When we talk, because he's now beaten me, I think three times, and he has actually said they were all really close. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm going to say to him, so it's good, Gegster, that you know, at any point, a shit player can can beat you, can't he, Gegster? <laughs> <laughs> when you play the game plan, anyway, we'll we'll bring one in a different one. So we've gone through Fez Glitch and Rascalger. Um, I've got here uh, Rasta Tailspike, who is, from what I can tell like a Skaven catcher. He's movement eight, strength three, agility three, armor value seven. He's got catch and extra arms and he costs 120k. I mean, he seems okay. Uh, yeah, he's fine. I think the problem with um, agility uh, star players in general is that you're just better off using gutter runners. Um, I think that's the main point. So he's like a, he, he's like a cheaper 
the uh, sorry a cheaper star he's not cheaper than the gut runner you could bring in to do an extra job for that but yeah like you said i, I can't really see because if we go up the list now to skitter stab stab he's probably someone who you might take more for that kind of role he's only 40k more so he's 160k he's moving nine strength two agility four armor seven and he comes with dodge prehensile tail shadowing and stab he's a pretty good star isn't he yeah, Skitter is insane. Um, he's like an auto pick in um, Underworld, um, where you put the money. And the only reason you don't take him in uh, Skaven is because he's, you know, they don't have so much money to spend that they can just afford to take him automatically. Um, and they've and, got four gutter runners anyway without Lona. So it's yeah. like if they had two, he might well be more of a pick. Yeah, absolutely. And well, five gutter runners is good still. But the thing is, he's, he's almost the same price as the Ratogre as well. So when you're thinking about what you're going to put in your team, you could have a fifth thing that does the same as your existing team, or you could have a completely different option, which the Ratoga gives you, which in Skaven, I think, is why he doesn't see as much play. Because if you have much more gutter runners, then you're putting all your eggs in one basket. But if you have a Ratoga, you can do different things. That makes sense. And, that's, and there is one other gutter runner star that the Skaven could take. Um, and I've taken him in Underworld, and he's, he, I think he's a... Again, a really good star, but he's got a couple, a couple of little drawbacks that, that mean that you wouldn't take him over Skitter, probably. Uh, Hackflem Scuffle Spike, who's move at nine again. He is strength three. Strength three gutter runners are really good. Uh, agility four, armor seven, loner, and he's got dodge, and he's got all of the cool mutations. Extra arms, prehensile tail, you don't really care. Two heads, and he's 200k, which I think is one of the drawbacks. But what do you think about Hackflem, Joe? Yeah, he's fun. Like he's a good player. When you play against him, you think, "Oh my god, what is this guy?" But he's dodging um, on twos everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the downsides of him is that um, he isn't skitter. So if you're going to buy a um, a star player gutter runner, you just go for skitter first. It's a no-brainer. So in order to see him, he needs to almost be the second star player you buy, which means you need 360k of inducements before you actually start thinking about him. Because he doesn't give you a lot more, does he? The two heads is really nice, yeah, yeah. which the is probably is, the thing you might take for him. The strength is kind of wasted um, because he's not going to be blitzing. He doesn't have block or wrestle. And no one's going to be blitzing him because you're going to have to hide him because he's an armor seven dude um, who can't use your apothecary. So that he's paying so much money for that strength, but you don't actually care about it that much. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if he was like a similar price to Skitter, but didn't have the strength, you'd be like, yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Because he does different things to Skitter. Like the two heads and the extra arms is great. Like it's really useful when he, when he can do things and just dodge everywhere and grab the ball, whatever. That's fantastic. Um, but for 200k, it's like, mm, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. And I have seen a couple of Underworld lists with double double gutter runners in them you know and when you've got high when you can take loads of money and loads of skills on the underworld players it kind of brings a slightly different dimension to the team that can yeah i'm really useful um but yeah and then we've got the two glarts we've got glart smash rip and yeah. glart smash rip junior uh, junior is the oldest old school one isn't he um yeah. he's um movement seven strength four agility three armor eight so he's basically a strength four um storm vermin uh, he's loner block claw and juggernaut all nice skills for 210k. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Sorry. Thought, <laughs> no, just, because because uh, the other glide is so similar, I thought you were going to lead into them at the same time. But um, yeah, I'll start doing that. I'll talk about them together. They're basically the same player, um, but one of them's cheaper. So that's it. That's the decision. Um, 
Okay, well, the, the other glart is, yeah, and I'll, let's do that. Let's do it that way then, Joe. So the other yeah. glart is movement five. So he's slightly slower. Yeah. Agility two, which you don't really care about. And he's got block grab, juggernaut, stand firm, claw, loner for a bit cheaper. So do, yeah. do you think taking the cheaper one is better? Or if you've got the money, take the faster one? Absolutely, take the cheaper one. Um, also, stand firm is really good on that claw player. People yeah. hate that. When I'm playing with my undead against glart and I don't, uh, knock him down and I'm stood next to him with a mummy or something. I'm really unhappy. So yeah. <laughs> uh, the grab's useful. Um, he's got all the good skills that um, the other guard's got. Plus he's got some stand firm, which is great. And the, he's got two less movement um, and the agility, but they don't matter when because he's a hitting player. So his job is to be fat and hit things um, and being really, really fast is just irrelevant on that kind of player. Because there's very few times where you... If you're going to surgically blitz for position, you need movement. And if you're going to try to hit someone and kill them, you don't actually care about how fast you are. So his minus two movement is almost irrelevant and he's cheaper. So it's cheaper and better skills. <clears throat> he's, he's better without any shadow of a doubt. Um, that makes sense. And also on, on a team where everything's so fast, like you yeah. don't need to add movement into the team, do you? Exactly. Like one player who's slow is, is great. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not, it's not like putting another movement four player in undead where you'd be really noticing it because it dragged <laughs> yeah. the average down loads. For, yeah. And also, and as I know, Joe, you love the uh, the hobby side of the game and the Glart Smash Rip fat dude is, I think, a really cool model. So it's <laughs> awesome. He is cool, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And the second edition one is really cool as well. There's like a super secret second edition fat Glart as well. Yeah. I do love the flat, the fat glut. And again, it's one of those weird like things. And maybe we'll have a quick chat now before we move on to the last player about it's almost, I think this is where, so when did, when did glut smash rip and junior come in? Cause I thought that smash rip was like a newer player. Well, that's why he's um, smash rip junior. So the glut smash, so smash rip senior was in yeah. second edition. Okay. He was a second edition star player. Um, and then in third edition, he didn't exist. Neither he of them existed. Of yep. And then in the CRP, they bought in Glart Smash Rip Junior as like okay. a, as a you know uh, an homage because Skaven is short lived. They thought they'd have his son rather than have just him come back. That makes sense. And then in this new edition, 2016, For they, sure, brought they brought back, back the old guy. Interesting, because it's kind of I I think this is like a a really good way they've done it. And I'd be interested in your thoughts, Joe, on like the way GW have done some of the newer players because I. I personally disagree and I'll explain why and we, we can talk about it. But like, so for example, I can't remember his bloody name, but there's Setek and there's the new Setek. What's the new Setek calls? The like slightly different Setek. I know the one you mean, yeah. yeah so, so, there's like, so there's now like two Seteks and there's um, Carla and Zara is another example. And like, I can see why GW done it. They've like, if you've got your old player that you want to keep using, then that's cool. You can keep using them. But here's effectively the same player but here's the new version that we want you to use and i i personally don't see why with the new setek they didn't just go here's setek and we've slightly changed the stats but this is now setek and use him and like we've just got all of these situations where people are using these bills that have got like double stars like the double color and star on the yeah double i think the NAF has fixed that or is going to soon anyway and take all the old people out so you um, can only I, think, I think they did actually they took the old ones out so you can't duplicate yeah, I think it's just sadly an IP thing. Um, all of the new ones like Setek and Glass Match Rip Jr., they all came together in the CRP edition that was made by fans, essentially, or okay. written by fans. And so GW can't have somebody having a potential ownership claim over a player. I see. That so makes they, sense. Have, they have to change his name and change one skill. 
at least, so that he's no longer the same thing. That makes that makes perfect sense because for me, like the Glart Smasher and the Smasher Shimi is like the a good way to do it because they are literally different players. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it makes sense now. You've you've told us about the history and how they are is back from second edition and stuff. Okay. Yeah. But yeah that's always like maybe annoying because I'm like just just you know get rid of Setek. Like we don't want Setek anymore. You can just have a new player and just anyway. Yeah. Whatever. That makes sense. It's so, quite nice that the dad is fat and old as well, and the son <laughs> is the young one running around. Yeah. <laughs> sprinting around the pitch and uh, making the fun stuff happen so uh we got i've got two more players on my list but one we don't really need to speak about uh, mm-hmm. but first of all we got head splitter who is like the rat ogre star player um he, he's not a particularly great uh big guy but we'll talk about him anyway he's movement six uh strength six who always agility three that's awesome <laughs> armor value eight <laughs> um he's got frenzy mighty blow prehensile tail so the same stats and he's 340k i mean he's just like a strength six rat ogre with agility three as well i mean yeah he's pure memes he's absolutely garbage here um if you he's more than double <laughs> more than double the price of a rookie rat ogre and he's just got plus one strength and he hasn't got loner so you know if you got a, you could get he's not a got strength... um wild animal as well Sorry, so, wild but um yeah you could get a strength seven ratoga um in a league like develop him up and give him block and then he'd still be like 100k cheaper <laughs> it's just mental so it's just he's completely pointless um, and i keep comparing him as well and we'll talk about the, the 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 last guy i've got on my list and if you've got a couple more we'll talk about them but i've got morgan thorg who we've spoken about on the podcast already he's yeah he's great he's a really good ogre move six strength six duty three armor ten block my blow, thick skull, throw teammate, 430k, expensive, but he's a really good player. He's just really expensive. Yeah. Um, um, but we've, sorry, yeah. Karen, mate. No, I mean, I'm sure you discussed him ad nauseum, but yeah, he's great. He's too expensive, but he's awesome. Yeah. You wouldn't take him on Skaven, but I've taken him on, you know, Underworld or uh, Halflings. I actually quite like him for. He's, I think he's, he's a more mobile deep route, so I quite like him on, uh, on Halflings. Uh, but. Um, Shmi, uh, Pipey's brother, used to take him on Orcs all the time. Just take ten really? Orc linemen and Morg, and then <laughs> if he makes that through a pickup roll, then what are you going to do? <laughs> just cage up around him and go, yeah. Ah. yeah, that's true. And then, yeah, and, and you, yeah. I can totally see that. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to possibly tackle this fucker? Um, but the yeah. other player I was going to talk about, and we talked about him already a couple of times on the podcast, is um, the new Bob Bifford star. Who's um, And I'm looking at him in comparison to Head Splitter now. He's 360k, or 380k, 360k, I think. Um, and he is uh, move five, strength six, agility two, armor value 10. And he comes with block and juggernaut and some other, and some other shit, break tackle, I think. And he's like, 20 or 40k more i can't remember which one it is and it's like and he's why would you not take him he's he's the same as um it's the same as ramtut as well when you look at the ramtut stats and the comparison in price it's like just fucking take bob bob is actually a really good price star now yeah he's insane i'm not sure what his rules are whether he's like a legacy star that you can only have in certain situations or whether he's like a proper star um I think but, he's a golden era star, I think. Yeah, so sometimes um, but you can, sometimes Why a lot of the tournaments are laying him in now? I mean I let I let golden era stars in. Most of them are too overpriced to not matter. Maybe Bob is a reason not to like Captain Collender and stuff you don't care about. Yeah. Um Jeremiah Cool, who's like four hundred K is amazing. But yeah. it's like, yeah, I can get him and union lineman and that's basically it. So like, yeah. Um but Bob is Bob is awesome. Yeah, he's um, insane. It's fantastic. Which is good. Like if you're gonna pay four hundred K of something, they, they should be insane. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's good. Uh, are there any more stars there on the uh, on the Nathless? No, no, that's all. That's all that I've got as well. So I thought I think Fumble have been 
vaguely updating it and keeping it in line with that. So yeah, they try and keep as close to um, the proper rules as possible. Excellente. Well, ladies and gents, that brings us to the end of the first segment here. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk tactics. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast and our Skaven review, where we're now going to have a quick chat about the general tactics for the Skaven team, aren't we, Joe? We are. Are you ready? Always ready. <laughs> Good. Um, I mean, first of all, straight off the bat, I mean, my sort of general opinion of Skaven is that they're one of the teams where I would always kick first. Do you disagree? I kick first with everybody. But yeah. You kick first everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, so that's kind of a shit question to ask you then, really, because I can't really say why that's different with the Skaven. <laughs> why do you always kick first with everybody? Because um, then you get to control what happens in the second half. Um, so if you receive first, and in the second half your opponent receives, and then they get to control the game. So if it's nil at half-time, then they can take their eight turns. Um, other way around, if it's one nil to them at half-time... You can decide whether you're going for a draw, whether you're going to go for a win, what you want to do. So you have you have the control, you have the, the game, you have the initiative, effectively. Also, you know it's they, just easier to defend with 11 people. No, and that's what I'm going to say with the Skaven, is they are definitely one of those teams where you kind of really need a full-strength team on the field to defend effectively, don't you? Because mm-hmm. you're trying to turn your opponent over, aren't you? Yeah, it's definitely easier to defend with 11, and to score with 7 is fine. So, yeah. So, be- you, before we go into that, I was going to say, so... Would, what about um, just in general tactics? If you were taking, you know, if you were in a, a bash scenario where you were bash on bash and you think your team is going to, you've only got 11, 12 players, it might be early on in the season, or your opponent's got some particularly scary removal skills like Claw, Mighty Blur, stuff like that, and you think you need to remove their players first, is that a situation where you'd receive first? Or you always kick first? Always kick first. You just have to, you can't worry about things like Claw. You just have to, unless both you got Claw. And if both teams are a Claw Pom team, then you always receive because then you just win the game um, on the line of scrimmage and then the game's <laughs> over and then you're not playing blah blah anymore. Um, well, so yeah, I mean, the scenario I give you is like, so for example, I played um, Lewis in the in the DBL this season. Uh, we have like a um, uh, like playoff for each of the conferences where you can win like a little extra trophy on the side and get like a conference trophy, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. And we played, um, and it's, it's a, it's a um, resurrection game. So it's just like an extra game that, have, which I think is quite cool, uh, but we had Norse versus uh, Kemri, and yeah. I had a claw block mighty blow. Who later got dodge? He was a ridiculous yeti, uh, yeti, um, and he had his Kemri team. And I was like, "Well, I'm going to receive first, and I'm just going to surgically target and foul." And I had a roster of 14 or 15, so I was going to surgically target his team. He had 11, and just mm-hmm. destroy him in the first half, and then run easily. And that then, was the situation. Where I was like, "I'm definitely going to receive first. But then you can't. You can do that on defense, and then you don't have to borrow it to worry about the ball. So if, you're, if your plan is to kill the other guy, then you can do it in defense a lot easier than you can do it um, when you've got the ball. Because you've got 11 players just for killing people. Whereas if you've got the ball, then you've just got six players because five of them have to be in the cage somewhere. Oh, that's fair enough. I can see that. I'm just, that. That was just what went through my head when I was lining up. I was like, I just, if I can kill him off the line, then he's only got, 
and, and, and I mean, maybe I got lucky, but in the second half, I think he was two or three team guardians down and couldn't even do anything in the second half. It was a, it was a, it was a non-game from then. But that's interesting. So you you would pretty much always always receive first. Sorry, kick first. Kick first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're always outlying uh, situations, but yeah, generally, yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, and like we were saying with the Skaven, like it's even more important because effectively what you're trying to do with the Skaven and all the Gus Runners, particularly once they're skilled up, um, is to turn your opponent over, aren't you? You're trying to put pressure on the ball carrier, turn him over, get the ball and score, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Well, um, I think tactically the thing, the thing that people um, often miss with Skaven is that your, um, your biggest strength is the fact that you can score quickly. So the fact you can score in two turns very, very easily because of movement nine. And that's the thing that allows you to control the pace of the game. Um, so lots of people I see, they'll score in two or three turns immediately at the start of the game if they're receiving and then think, now I can defend, hooray, because that's where Skaven are good. But then that's just letting you get killed. The more times you give your opponent lines of scrimmage, the more times your players die. So it's a lot better to score in eight and then... Uh, if you if you have to receive score an eight and then force your opponent to score an eight himself, because um, if they don't, if they can only score in seven, then you score in two, two turns and you win. So you can pressure them every single turn and knowing that they have to not only recover but recover in a situation where they're not going to be forced to score in a future turn. So you can put so much pressure on them just from the the passive knowledge that your opponent knows that you can score whenever you want to. So that's what you're going to do in that first half. You're going to stand off them. You're not going to base them up in any way. Like I like to play, obviously, mm-hmm. because you've got your armor seven linemen and you're just going to put pressure on them every single turn and try and really pressure that ball carrier to make them score as quickly as possible. But as long as they score by turn seven, you're, you've won. Is the, is the well, that's the thing about Skaven on defense is they're really flexible. Like I've played just, I've just have played uh, line defense with Skaven before, just because they're quite maneuverable. They'll, they'll dodge. And if you can use your blitz to free up a few linemen and then get them back in the line then your opponent's going to be scared about making like half breakaways you know what i mean if they break away in a sort of half of the cage because then you can swamp them um and worry them with the gutter runners so they have to be very very careful so you can do line defenses but you'd also do full press attacks where you put everybody in contact and try and make your opponent make mistakes and you can also um do dodging into the cage like lots of people go really aggressive there's five up into the cage with yeah, it's only five up isn't it yeah, yeah. Oh, wrestle strip ball perhaps yeah. yeah exactly if you've got more developed players like a five up the re-roll is more likely to work than it is to fail so if you just do that every turn go in bam half dice the ball every single turn you're going to get some problems so there's there's so many ways you can play with Skaven um you're going to make them panic, aren't you? And, and, that's, and that's often the thing with people. They like their like, stable cage, you know, like your Orcs, humans, Norse, running teams like that, which are really effective against, where they're just going to like, slowly move up the pitch. And if you can like, force them in some way to move to a less secure cage, then you're going to win, aren't you? So that's, that's like, the idea, isn't it? You, you, you can, another tactic is to try and force a corner away, force a few players in and make them move their ball carrier around to like, a less secure position. Yeah, and then at that point, they're gonna. You want to spread their players out, don't you? Yeah, that's that's all of defense is. Defense is playing to make them have a worse position in three turns time. Like if you're playing someone good, then you can't just go in in one turn and just win automatically unless you get really lucky. You have to put them under a little bit of pressure. So on the next in the next turn, they're under a little bit more pressure, and then the next turn they're under real pressure, and then on the fourth turn, suddenly they're in a pickle. Easy as, really that. That. Yeah. Easy as that. Easy as that. 
Blood Bowl is really simple when you're playing Joe, isn't it? Um, well, you know, I don't know. Look at, look at his little face. Um, so on defence, Joe, do you um, do you use three or four gutter runners? Because that's something that people have talked about, especially if you've got gutter runners you want to protect and stuff, and the strength too. Do you think uh, do you think that matters? Or I always use all of them. Um, I'm not sure if that's right or not, but I've been using my best players every turn. Like I'm the same with Undead. I use all my goals every drive. Um, some people use three of the four, but... Um, I just use all of them, you know. I want to, I want my best players on the pitch as as, as much as possible. You know, if they die, they die. <laughs> That's fair. Because like, the thing is, if you've got four veterans on the pitch and then two of them die, you've got two left. But if you've got three on the pitch and two of them die, you've got one left. So, what would you rather have, two veterans or one veteran? No, that's absolutely fair enough. What if you start to? You might be in a, a particular game where you think you need to win it, and you've got a a one turner. You might want to oh yeah, in. sure. That's a different story. Yeah, if you've got a, a natural one turner, then um, protect. Yeah, he can hide. He can do his job. He is a, <laughs> a very separate kind of uh, player. I mean, I play games sometimes with Skaven where you've almost auto one because you're like, well, I've got a one turner who's you know, unless I roll double ones, which can happen. You're like, yeah. I'm going to score with my one turner. So either you score quickly and I score in two turns and win, or you don't, and I'm going to score my one turner and I won. And as long as you don't lose too many players you've auto won like it's just a case of, yeah. of playing those stats he's like those guys in like baseball and basketball that just like sit on the bench for like 99 of the game and they just walk on and do something amazing or finish the game or something like, yeah it's pretty it's pretty awesome what do you do um what do you do against uh sort of less uh bashy teams maybe against more of your elf teams where they're not really going to care so much if you try and flood their cage or stuff they're going to have players sitting back and they're going to be able to spread out more and have the agility for does that make a difference do you think um well the thing about scaling against uh elf teams is that you can try and beat them up like that's the thing that scaven have which um elf teams don't really have they have a big guy with mighty blow if you've taken him and they also have the blitzers who have strength access for things like mighty blow so as you're developing or if you're in a tournament with one or two skills, then you can start thinking about you play the bash role, you play as if you were orcs or dwarves against those wood elves and then try and get men up in that way. So you can sort of shift your game plan in that way in, in that situation. That makes sense. So they can, so in a way, and we, I've talked before on the podcast about humans actually not being particularly flexible at all, but uh, <laughs> Skaven are, are much more flexible in the way that they can switch that if they're playing the Azure team because they've got that strength access where every single other edge team doesn't. Unless, I mean, against maybe Dark Elves or something, they might struggle. Because um, I know they haven't got strength access, but they've got more skills that are going to make them a bit more bashy against the Skaven. Mm. Um, it might be more of a, you know, they might have to try and play around them a bit more. But otherwise, they can outbash the sort of High Elves and Pro Elves and stuff. What yeah, else? Like this, yeah, you've got that option with the, the strength access. And, and the thing is, with the gutter runners, you can just move your players wherever you want. And so having those four players with movement nine and agility four makes everybody else on the team faster because they can cover the gaps, which means that another player doesn't have to do a go for it, for, for example. So you can just um, make everybody else on the team faster just by having those four players. That makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, what was I going to say? So, what, yeah, I was going to talk about setups, actually, Joe, as well. That was the other okay. thing I was going to say. Um, so, in terms of defense, you know, like sort of traditional um, boat defense that a lot of people do against bash teams and stuff like that. How do you tend to set your Skaven up? Ziggurat, boat, those sorts of defenses, ring bells um, for Skaven, or is there a specific go-to? I, 
I know the ziggurat. I don't know what you mean by boat, but I do the one. So where... boats like the standard bash one, where you've got three across the front, three mm. across the back, and then all your good players like directly back. behind those three. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. It depends what um, stage you are as well in development. Like I started a skating team recently in a league up here. And because everybody's rubbish, you can play a ziggurat because you don't care about people dying so much. So you <laughs> yeah, can, because sure. you've only got four gutturners, so you can hide those four guys at the back and then have your linemen and stuff at the, at the front. But then as you develop and you start to get five players that you really care about, then you can start boating it up. Because they're so fast, you can go where you want on the next turn. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so you would always play all four gutter runners. That's fair enough. I'm just looking through my questions that I might have that I might want to ask you. We've gone through that. Um, I'm looking at the sort of general tactics that I would use. Um, yeah, like you said, like use your killer blitzers, and we'll talk about the development in, in a little bit about you. You're going to want to build some dude who can really take those players out, aren't you? Sure. Um, and you use him against the agility teams. Um, and piling on, we'll maybe we'll have a little chat about that later on about the different nuances and how that rules that rules change but i personally prefer the older version and and that and that's a really good tool for the scaven isn't it the piling on mm -hmm. um but yeah um and yeah and, and lyman in a weird kind of way like i see on my tactics when i played scaven and i played underworld and teams like that i quite often find i use my blitzes with my blitzes to free up my lineman because i haven't got the agility to get away that, that some people have so you can use your blitzer if you're trying to do some sort of column defense or more of a jockeying defense so like keep them penned in you can use your blitz to get your linemen away because you can't dodge them away as much. It's playing those averages, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And because the um, runners are so flexible, you can get them to places to lend the assists potentially to make that even easier. So, yeah, but yeah. Skaven are quite like Dark Elves in a way in that keeping the linemen alive is really, really crucial. Like, um, so many games with Dark Elves, or to go on a tangent, are decided by whether your linemen make the two up dodges. If they make them, then you're almost unbeatable. And if they fail them, then you've suddenly got six players left with dodge, fine. But they're just standing there going, oh my God, what are we doing? Not on my own. <laughs> um, yeah. So Skaven are quite like that. If you, can, if you just leave your linemen to get beat up for five or six turns, you're going to lose the game. You need to try and rescue them bit by bit. You can't rescue all of them immediately, um, but you can like each turn like rescue one or two of them and then on defense. And then maybe on turn four, you've got your whole team back um, in a place where you like them. Yeah, I mean, when, when dodging alignment as well, you're going to save that action until right at the end of the turn and really weigh up the need of whether you need to dodge or not, aren't you? Because they're agility three, like you said, compared to, compared to the Dark Elves. Like, generally mm -hmm. speaking, if your alignment's being marked by a player with Mighty Blow and piling on, or, or Claw, well, Claw doesn't matter, but Mighty Blow piling on, stuff like that, you're, you're going to try and dodge because failing the dodge is less chance of him getting injured. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but if not, then he might be doing a good job. Like you said, if he's standing against a mummy and he's tying up for one turn, then the lineman's doing his job, isn't he? Absolutely. And agility three, three plus works loads of times. I've played loads of games with and against Skaven where, you know, they've dodged seven or eight linemen in a row quite happily and it makes such a difference. So you, you shouldn't um, discount how good they can be at doing that kind of stuff. And I'd say one of the last things we talk about in the tactics um, before we move on to talking about how to build for leagues um, is like, when you're playing against a bash team, you know, when they've got high strength and stuff like that, all of your players are strength three or below, unless you've taken the Rat Ogre. So you're trying to spread that team out, aren't they? That's like the standard tactic against the bash teams is what, you know, I've, I would think. So you want to use your strength three to and your linemen to spread the team out as much as you can. And, and that will allow your gut runners to get in behind and get the ball if you can. 
Yeah, absolutely. If you're faster than the other guy, then you want to make the uh, game cover as much of space on the pitch as possible. Um, and a really easy way of doing that is a line defense across the whole length of the pitch. Um, and then your opponent well, can go start going in the middle, but they're not going to get anywhere. So eventually they're going to have to start thinking about splitting people off to try and threaten to break away on one of the flanks or the others. Um, and that's when you can start thinking about you know, being more aggressive once they've spread out a bit. That makes perfect sense. I think we've covered um, most of the general tactics that you might use with Skaven. Have you got anything more to add, Joe, on the tactics? Um, no, I think that's it. I think that's... Uh, that's generally how to play Skaven, isn't it? Yeah, just be fast, get the ball, score, done. Uh, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's the opposite of what I said. But um... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, we, I think we've got it all down. Okay. Um, Right, we are going to move on now, ladies and gents, to talk about how to build your team for a leak. I'll take a quick break here and then come back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Talk Nuffle podcast where Joe Manji and I are discussing Skaven, the disgusting, cunning, sneaky rats that they are in Blood Bowl. Um, we're going to talk about leagues now, aren't we, Joe? We are. Where uh, Have you played Skaven in league? I'm I sure have. You have in your, I in your 20 years. I won with the Skaven once. So. When was that, in 1986? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, just me and Eric and Gegster back then. <laughs> <laughs> very nice um but we're going to talk about them in leagues and it's interesting actually the sort of juxtaposition we talked a couple of times joe about the differences in leagues and actually the dbl um and the ecbbl and they're not perpetual leagues and stuff but the ecbbl and dbl have a sort of slight subtle difference in the dbl you only have eight games to get your team ready for the knockouts okay but then the sort of the differences is that you only have eight games for the knockouts but of the 60 that play, 32 of those go through to the knockouts. So you're oh, not wow. so concerned on winning. Sure. So it's quite a, it's a very different dynamic. You're looking, you know, if you're not a complete idiot, um, and hilarious, hilariously, and you'll enjoy this, we got Gritter on the last show and I said exactly those words, if you're not an idiot, uh, you're going to get through to the knockouts. And Gritter took uh, goblins last time and didn't get through to the knockouts because I think, I think you have to win like four of your eight games to like pretty much guarantee it. it's not that hard to do. But he was in a league with like Chaos Dwarves, Dwarves, uh, I think he had a couple of Elton. Like he was in a really tough side. That's pure hubris, that is. Thinking you can just walk into the DPL and carve all before him with goblins. Well, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic actually because the DBL play this like card of they're all super fluff and super fun and all that kind of thing and they they you know they, there are some competitive players in there and I I had the same approach when I first came to the DBL two seasons ago I brought Underworld thinking oh this would be good fun and and I I built my Underworld team as well as I thought I could and I ended up with a claw mighty blow Skaven and and I had my um, goblins with some two heads and all the stuff that you want actually. I got tentacles, my trolls. I had some good stuff going into knockouts. I was ready to go for my first couple of knockout games. And that's the difference, actually, that we'll talk a little bit more about before we go into the Skaven, is that um, the DBL knockouts are round of 32, then round of 16, then okay, quarterfinals. Wow. So then, like a mini FA Cup sort of thing. Yeah, it's like, and, and that's, that's actually more how the league is, because it's only one a year. Yeah. So you play like a few months of 
playing some fun games where you're developing your team, but not so much worrying about winning. Mm-hmm. And then actually three months of quite intense Blood Bowl because you're like, I need to win all my games. Like it's, wow. it's quite intense. Um, so fun. It's, yeah. it's fun. It's, it's a different, and that's what I really like. And I've discussed this before. Like I, you know, neither way is right. I, I really love the ECBL. I really love the DBL and the, the way they do things are very, very different. Um, sure. But yeah, <laughs> playing these Underworld in, the round of eight i think i got to i came up against the eventual champion that year with dwarves and i was like i looked at the whole list and i was like cool so i don't want to play pool but any of the other teams is fine and i got drawn against pool and i was like and i hit and i and i did what i thought was the right thing i played i played my troll and my claw mighty blow dude and goblins in the first half and just tried to kill it he only had a, he had 11 dwarves and a um a uh Death Roller. So he had. So I was like, so he's going to have 11 players in the second half. And I had a 16 roster. If I can kill a couple of players, I reckon I can win this because they, they have quite a balanced extra time system as well. Okay, yeah. So I was like, I'm tr- I was trying to draw. I was like, I can draw this. I, 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 was, fa- I was fouling every turn and I was clawing Mighty Blank, <laughs> like blitzing and, up, and then just giving him goblins. I was like, you can have goblins. I've got loads of these fuckers. <laughs> but I just didn't remove anything. And, and, he, and he didn't remove any of mine. So it was balanced. But not because then in the second half I was like, well, if I'd removed, I would have. You could have shredded my goblins. I wouldn't have yeah. cared. I don't care about these guys. Yeah, anyway. useless. But it's but it's a very interesting dynamic and, and like different to how you build your team in the ECBBL because you just don't have as many games. But I think with when we look into the um, the Skaven, I don't think that matters so much, does it? They kind of play well in all forms. If you're playing short, medium, long. You know, they've got, they, you can build them in different ways, can't you? If you've only got eight games, 10 games, 12 games, you can kind of look at how you want to build them compared to the other teams. Yeah, absolutely. They're kind of good at all stages. They possibly slightly fall down at um, really high TVs because if you hit a claw palm team, you probably win the game, but everybody dies. Um, so that kind of ends the team uh, as a concept. And then in future games, it, you can't replace a five-skill gutter runner um, if he dies. But in a short league, you'd be pretty confident, you know, only yeah. playing eight games in the ECBBL. Uh, sorry, in the in the DBL, um, you'd be pretty confident in your ninth game of having a good team to compete, wouldn't you? Yeah, they're great. I mean, one of the best things about them is that all of them develop really well. Um, every skill and every player is is a great addition to the team. It's not like a, a goblin skill or something where it's got twenty k TV for not a lot of value. Every twenty k you put on your TV from a skill gives you something really cool. And we're going to go into that in depth, aren't we? Um, but yeah, it's a shame, Joe. So is there a good sort of league up in Lincolnshire that you can play in or not really? Am I uh, tugging at a horrible thread? In that? <laughs> um, there's a league up here. Um, it's not the strongest, but it's the one I used to play in 20 years ago when I was a kid. So it's nice to see some more faces, catch up and stuff. So, yeah. so as we spoke about at the beginning, you're taking the fluffy teams, goblins and halflings and stuff to have fun, are we? Or? Yeah, I'm actually taking Skaven in that one as well. <laughs> Yeah. So not the fluffy fantasies. <laughs> well, I thought I'd take it so that I could let people kill them because that'd be fun for them if they died. And then they actually did. They killed eight people in one game. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. I didn't. I don't like that plan anymore. Well, interesting. Skaven's a team that you can do that with, isn't it? It's not like it's not like elves where literally if you roll two pluses, you're kind of okay. Like you can't. There's not really a lot you can do other than do that. But with Skaven, you can. You can play it a bit more fun if you want to. Like, there's an option to play it in a more fun manner, um, and you know, let them kill them as you said. Like, I'm going to mark them up a bit more and try and hit them with my blitzers because they've got more flexibility. Like we said, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, it's nice to hear that you've got a league going on, Joe. Well, hopefully, um, well, we're going to play some more Blood Bowl as this lockdown, you know, eases a bit and we'll get back to the tournaments. So we might talk about that a little bit more in the tournament segment. But let's talk about uh, the league side of the Skaben first. So, um, I mean, I think, uh, Joe Manji, there's probably one roster that you should start with, but there are a couple that you could... Um, do you want to run through what you think it is? Because I think I've got it in front of me. But <laughs> I mean, there's for a thousand TV, basically. There's a, there's a pretty easy thousand TV starting lineup, which is two blitzers, four ghost runners, one thrower, four linemen, apo, and three rerolls, which is exactly one million. One thousand, yeah. yeah. And you and you want to get though though that apothecary off the bat, do you? Yeah, absolutely, because that can save Gutterner or a Storm Vermin. Um, where saving linemen is not very good because you can get journeyman instead, and journeyman. Uh, line rats are great. You just shove them on the line scrimmage, let them die. That's you know, it's in character for skating, and that's a good. It does a good job. So yeah, yeah. And there's a and and you know, there's like a four three roll is just not needed. That becomes TV bloat, and there's no need to to go down that line. Is it three yeah, is more than enough for that? I don't team? think I'd ever buy a four three roll with Skaven. Um Maybe get leader uh, if you want that, but the and then you probably cut, don't you? If you take a leader reroll, maybe you would cut yeah. down to three. I mean, that would be the TV yeah. then that's going to become a problem. Yeah, um, I mean, a sort of variation to the build is you could you could uh, drop a thrower um, in the place of a lineman and drop the apo, which means you can get an extra reroll. But that's the fourth, and it's not. Yeah, it's not what you would want to go for. Um, you can get the, you can get the rat ogre in if you want to from the start. Um, I think we'd probably agree, Joe, that a rat ogre is a is something you buy later if you if you are going to take him into a league at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, the only thing about the Ratoga is if you're absolutely set on having him who you think is a really important part of the team, he's going to need to skill up. Um, and in that case, you need to buy him early. Um, so if you do really want an Ogre at some point, you kind of has to buy him early rather than um, later. Because saving up 150k to buy him after game one, it's not going to happen, is it? It's going to take four games at best, probably. Um, maybe even five to be able to afford him if you don't buy anything else. So if you do want a Rat Ogre, you probably have to buy him straight away. But that does hamper the team quite significantly. First thing, I mean, the, the build I've got here, I mean, I don't know if you've got one in front of you, Joe, but the one I worked out was, um, and you, you take a really big hit in the, I'd say, in the gutter runner um, variety, because you can, as we've said before, you, you probably could function with two gutter runners but it's not mm. right you play with skaven so i've gone for um and you know you can come back and say if you've got something you think's better but i've gone for two gutter runners two blitzers one thrower five linemen and a rat ogre and only two re-rolls with an apo because you want to protect the rat yeah. and the gutter runners really importantly but. i think i might go one blitzer if i was going to do that because okay. gutter runners are kind of the whole point of the team that's that's what makes them function and stop them just being a team of slightly faster hobgoblins um <laughs> What's wrong uh, with yeah. hobgoblins? Hobgoblins are amazing. They're fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> they're I'm not good to runners, but they are. <laughs> they are really good. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. their mothers love them. <laughs> yeah, it's like your mother loves me, Joe. But yeah, <laughs> oh, that's my one per show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you drop that blitzer and get three gutter runners. Basically, like three gutter runners a blitzer is is probably the yeah, best. Yeah, because the blitzer is is kind of just a better lineman whereas a gutter runner is a completely different animal he does a, a different job for the team that no other player can do and he's also the reason you take the team really isn't he i mean yeah, i'm kind of it's the fun part of it so. <laughs> yeah i mean and it's like you can take you 
you know, if you want a big guy that has prehensile tail and stuff, then you can go and play Lizardman and still play like a really fun movement-based controlly team. And like that's that's kind of how you would do that. And if you want to take an agility team, there are elf teams to take. Like the the Skaven, you know, why you play the Skaven? They're this more of this hybrid build where you've got the agility and the super speed to go with it, which the other teams don't. But you can also bash people if you need to. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I I personally listeners, I probably wouldn't look at the rat ogre off the bat, but he might be something you build into a, a perpetual um team if you're gonna go down that route. Yeah, the thing is I found in leagues previously is that if you buy him after like eight games or ten games or something, he's just the worst player on a team by a big distance because you've got blitzes at that point, you've got two skills, maybe even three. Um, so you want to blitz with them, really. So suddenly you've got this rat ogre standing around, not doing anything, because he's not going to take the blitz action. Um, and if he's not going to take the blitz action, what's he going to do? And he can't move. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that. So yeah, that's interesting. And again, as you spoke about before, that wild animal in a way kind of hampers him in a in a big way. If he had bonehead. Yeah, wild animals. Um, you're really a really big problem unless you're committed to using the guy every turn. Um, and with the other wild animals, the minotaur and the um, the snow troll, it's a lot easier to do that because the, the minotaur has got the horns, which is, makes it so much easier to get three dice. And the, the claw on the snow troll kind of makes him like the, the whole point of the team in a way. He's kind of like the focal point of what the team's trying to do. Um, whereas the, the ratogo, he kind of like, he has function, but he isn't the whole function of the team. The team can do lots of things without him, which makes him a lot harder to make use of that wild animal. And you know me, Joe. I love my minos, so you maybe do. I'll take. Maybe I will take Skaven in the ECBBL and take the Ratoga and win it and prove everybody wrong. Well, you could give the Ratoga horns. He's got mutation access. On I could. I probably wouldn't, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, first of all, let's dive. Um, I think we'll dive straight into the gutter runners because they're the the meat of this uh, of this Skaven team. We'll talk about the Blitzers afterwards. The two veg, but the meat of the Skaven team, the gut runners. I mean. Like we said, Joe, they're amongst the very elite of the game, aren't they? They're right up there with the very best players. And you get fucking four of them. They're the fastest. They've got the movement nine. They've got agility four, um, which put a big target on their head, um, as we said. Uh, but yeah, to make full use of them, Joe, you've got to skill them in a few different ways, haven't you? Some yeah, the thing with skilling gutter runners is you kind of have to pick a job for each of them and then tailor their skill path towards that particular job. So you kind of probably want two utility guys who will take block first um, and their job is just to survive and just generally be around um, dodging around doing cool stuff you probably want a ball snatcher so someone who's going to have sure hands potentially a sacker yeah well that, no, sorry, the, a snatcher sorry a snatcher, snatcher yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the sacker will be the, the fourth one with like, yeah, yeah, got you. wrestle so really, yeah. um, maybe leaf if you fancy it later but wrestle strip balls to start with and then that kind of stuff so yeah um the first one probably gets blocked just because it's another guy that can stand somewhere and possibly survive getting hit. Because um, as you mentioned earlier, that if you play all four gotcha runners, there is a chance that you know they get punched um, and made dead. Uh, so yeah, having one block is cool. Then you start getting wrestle and stuff like that. This, as you say, because they're such a good player, there are so many skills that are good on them. Um, wrestle, strip ball, block, short hands, doubles, things like two heads and stuff. There's just so many options and that's the best part, the most fun part of developing Skaven is using, thinking all those things and making cool players. I mean, yeah, I think surprisingly, probably almost the gutter runner's biggest strength, and we talked about how fast they are and amazing they are at scoring, but one of their biggest strengths is actually defending. 
because of how fast they are and how the skills they can get to like bring that into it. And we've talked about the Skaven being able to defend and actually the how that can suck you into incorrect tactics like we've talked about. Um, and that's what you said about the strip ball wrestle guy. You know, despite being able being despite it being easy to score in two turns or even one. Uh, if we get that holy grail uh, gutter runner, but their ability to harass the opponent's ball carriers into dropping the ball and then running away with it um, makes them really exceptional players, and that's how we talked about building them. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And as you said, they're so good in defence just because of that movement and agility. People sort of underrate the human capture a lot, um, but I think they're amazing just because they've got movement eight on a movement sixteen, and so they can just go and plug that one space that was a bit hard to get to when you're lining up your defence, um, and you know, gutter runner is a human catcher on crack, basically. So they can do that, and there's four of them. So yeah, that's why the human catcher is tremendously OP on Blood Bowl two because they've got armor value eight. Oh, yeah, they're very amazing. Very <laughs> they're so good. That's such a ridiculous change they've done to them. There, like I always take them. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I keep forgetting. I'm like, oh, these guys have got armor value eight, and they're moving eight. So I could just, I could just chuck them where I need them to be, and it's really, yeah. really good. <laughs> no, I fully agree. And I took um. I took a, a really fun human team to uh, the B-Ball tournament where I actually played um, Mark Nippy Longscar okay. with his dwarfs. Um, and I took like a really fast human team and I had Griff. I'm trying to remember the exact build, but it was essentially Griff. I think I got three blitzers and three catchers and an ogre or something like that. So I just had a load of speed um, and he didn't know what to do. Like we had a really close game. He did win. Um, but, uh, but that was from Griff rolling a double one. So. Oh. <laughs> otherwise it would probably would have been a win for me or a draw um, but it was really fun and, and actually the speed that that can bring to it and you're, and you're right that brings it into the Skaven team as well the gutter runners it's like having loads and loads of human catchers with the juxtaposition of the blitzers as well so yeah just just to sort of summarize we're going to move on to the two veg of the human team in a minute talk about how to skill the blitzers up but sort of summarize you know there's kind of a ball sacker type position as we said Joe gets sort a of wrestle strip ball Maybe Dauntless, something like that later on. Yeah, if you're that's cool. I mean, on doubles, Horns is also... Horns as well. Yeah, awesome. Quite nice. And he's going to go in there and really... Sack, and actually two heads as well. Like, once he's, once he's at that high level and he can dodge into the cage and hit him, tackle, yeah. yeah, all those sorts of things. But The other player we haven't mentioned is that um, you can try and develop a natural one-turner if you get a plus move. Um, Absolutely. Player, um, which is quite... It's not unlikely it's a one in six and you're getting lots of skill rolls. Um, and then, so would you always take movement on a on a gutter runner if he gets yeah, it? Absolutely, like it's just it's just good on its own. Like you don't even have to think about the one turner. Um, but then you can start thinking about things like um, sure feet, sidestep, um, sprint, things like that on top. Yeah. So the the one turner is awesome, isn't he? And he gets yeah, like you said, sprint, sure feet, and he can just literally run it in on twos and threes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what you're rolling mostly. Yeah, they're. They just break the game almost. It's just, you know, it's just horrible. Yeah, people talk about Claw Mighty Low. These Skaven one-turners are what really breaks the game. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got the ball sacker. We've got the one-turner. Uh, probably got, like, a sort of man-marker-type player who, like we said, is probably one of the first ones you get where he goes block, sidestep, diving tackle, things like that. Maybe guard on a double as well. I'm not sure if about that on Skaven. Generalist. Particularly. Um, sidestep is just generally great. Um, but, yeah... Having a guy, having gutter and stand next to somebody is generally a bad idea. So um, you wouldn't always go down that path. Like you can develop him. He's, it's, it's a fine thing to have. But that's more of an elf thing with a strength three player where you're forcing like a pro elf blitz, for example, would absolutely love the dodge, dive and tackle sidestep. 
combination because um, you can be strength three, stand next to a strength three ball carrier, mark everyone else, and they have to make a one dice block against a blodger with sidestep or make a five plus dodge away. But with um, gut runners, it's a little bit harder because there's two dice each time. So. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I, I would always like to get, and I'm not saying necessarily you're going to man mark the ball every time, but this is more like a harassing player. Yeah, so he's like right. a player who you're going to get near to your opponent and and you want those types of skills that make him super annoying. And and yeah, if you can, you know, if you've got a blow with block and sidestep and you can mark the ball carrier by himself, would you would you not go for that? Is that not? Yeah, absolutely. If there's, if there's yeah. a potential for doing that, then definitely. But it, you have to... Well, I guess it's more a harassment player is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. You have to do that within a, a specific strategy. You have to um, make it hard for your opponent to remove that guy, which means putting all of your skaters in contact, in. Yeah. which means that they can die, which is why it's... Um, so you've got to play it correctly, yeah. haven't you? You've got to take your opportune moment. Yeah, which in a league is a difficult strategy because in a tournament, that's brilliant. You know, you can shove everybody in, make it difficult. But in a league, if you do that, in every single game, you're going to have two players die each game. And then by the time it gets to game eight, 10 players have died from a consequence of putting all your guys in contact every turn. So you have to kind of think, weigh the scales a little bit. No, that's, that's fair enough. No, I, I can go along with that, Joe. Um, you know, I can just show you off at any moment and just say that I'm right because it's my podcast. But <laughs> you certainly can. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't already. <laughs> Yeah, so I, no, I'm just running through the sort of general themes. So we got ball sacker, we got harassment player, but that's that's a good discussion about that, about how you just don't want to base up like you might with an elf team because they've got more armor and they've got they're not you know the catchers and stuff you do that with an elf team aren't the uh, the best player the best players on the team. So they're slightly more throwaway than maybe a gutter is where he's your absolute best player where you don't want to do that. Sure, um, yeah. I can see that. And then finally, as you alluded to at the start, the the sort of you know ball retriever carrier dude who's going to go block short hands and those sorts of good stuff big mm -hmm. hand as well is, is a nice little skill you can get on a skaven team that you can't get on elf catchers yeah you don't see it very often but when it appears it is very very good and it's, it's surprising uh, how annoying the rain is yeah um yeah it's definitely one of those things that your opponent kind of forgets you've got and then suddenly you just rock up and just pick the ball up um with no no modifiers and they get upset they actually forget that the skill does it, and they're like, oh my god, that skill's so broken. Like, <laughs> that skill shouldn't be allowed to do it. I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> i read those rules. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the meat of the Skaven team, the gutter runners. Um, anything more to add, Joe, before we move on to the two veg, the blitzers? I think we've done that. I think we're okay. I think we've, I think we've covered gutter runners. I think we've covered them to the nines. Let's move on to the Skaven blitzers, the two veg. I mean, these are the guys that I love. I play them in the anime world. And uh, if and when I play Skaven, I'm going to love these dudes. And it's going to be so sad when they get hurt and injured. Because I had my my claw mighty blow, Olaf, who is a famous DBL player. He's now like in the in the annals of the DBL. He he was the first ever, and the Dragon Ball League has only been going since 2016 or something. He's the he was the first DBL player to reach four skills. So, oh really? Okay. Yeah, because they only have um. So five skills, five skills. Because they only have the eight games and then into the knockouts. He was literally the first player to reach five skills. But um, anyway, uh, he got claw, claw, mighty blow, tackle, guard, grab, and then. But then was the, the reason I was saying it was so sad. He got agility down 
I was oh. so sad when that happened. I was like, but it didn't really matter. You can still go and kill people. <laughs> I always kind of like that when that happens, when your killer gets managed agility, because it feels like an in character, doesn't it? He's like, yeah. I just don't care. I just don't care about the ball. I'm I just, just want to kill that. people. It's like the mighty Zug, isn't it? Like, why would he be any good with the ball? I'm, yeah. I've been writing um, uh, like some fan fiction stuff for uh, the, D- the DBL mag. They do a magazine, and I've been writing like a young Griff. Okay. like Griff griff coming into the dbl universe and and actually i read some fan fluff from a while ago and some gw fluff as well about how you know the mighty zug has been in the team for a while and griff came as a team later on so yeah. my first scene that i wrote was griff going to watch a game with the mighty zug playing oh, and like wow. <laughs> and like how the mighty zug you know like is beating people up and then griff comes in the team um, yeah I'll, I'll send it to you joe if you want to read a bit of fluff a bit Sounds of fan fiction. um but yeah and, and that's that's what the mighty zug's about he's about punching people in the face and not giving a shit about the ball and that's really what the blitzers should be in the skaven team right joe that's definitely one of their potential uses yep um <laughs> Their blitz is like almost sport for choice because um, there's only two of them. With gutter runners, as we spoke, you can sort of give them different jobs, but there's almost more almost jobs. Almost doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more jobs than there are blitzers almost because you, you, you do want a tackle guy. You do want some guard in there as well. That's really, really good on Skaven. Um, but you also want some mighty blow and some claw to kill people. So you kind of have to like decide what you want to do. Do you want to have two killy people? Do you want to have one utility guy with tackle and one killing man and stuff like that? So yeah, it's a little bit harder to... It's harder to get them skilled as well um, because you are scoring your touchdowns with your gutter runners. So they can get their one skill quite easy and then the second skill is a little bit hard to come by. So, yeah. It's interesting. I've found, I played a little bit of Skaven online. I've not played them properly in a league and I've, I've actually found um, when you do, as you said, if you put, if you sort of score, so I've done, so my strategy is interesting. I've tried to, you know, player and, I, and I'm glad we've come on here Joe because I will change my strategy completely but, I, but I've been receiving first scoring in eight turns yeah. and then scoring immediately um, or turning and so those are the two options or turning my opponent over scoring and then scoring as quick as I can to get just get 2-0 up so then I'm like I've, I've won like turn two of the second half because like either way I won so that's in that situation I'm always like well I can use if I can turn the ball over I like to like chuck a blitzer up there and start to skill them up like particularly early in the league that's how yeah, I sure. tend to use them well if you can do it then great I mean uh, getting two and a lot early is, is never a bad situation but um... <laughs> but I've always fa- I've actually found in the online stuff that I'm escaping that they're a really good team to do that either way even if your opponent wins and makes you receive first you you try and control the game and then score in a slower time like you said like i don't tend like i'm probably not one of those morons that you said you point the figure out i try and score slower so i score in six seven turns like and yeah. then my opponent hopefully can't come back at me like as 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 long as i can keep it out without my players dying and then just score well, immediately and then like yeah okay. actually that's another uh, general strategy which i should, probably should have mentioned earlier which is you can deliberately score in six i think and then give a slow team three turns to try and score against you say an orc or a dwarf or something like that because you can then, turn them over and then you can turn them over but the chances of them scoring on you are quite limited it's um and if you want to do that you can start getting things like kick as well to try and make it even harder and that's a really aggressive way of trying to get two and up at half time interesting because yeah you're almost more likely to turn them over than they are to score like yeah either it's going to be a draw or you're going to turn them over statistically yeah, yeah. So you, the most likely situation is it stays 1-0 at halftime, which is the same as it was before. But the, you're like five times more likely to score them on them than they are on you. 
Yeah, particularly like dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we'll get Nippy on later on, and he's going to completely defunct everything you've said, Joe, because uh, he is actually listening to the podcast. He said he's going to listen through and see what the format is and go through it, which I know you haven't. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like we said, uh, the Skating Blitzers, they provided, you know, much needed kind of muscle to the team, didn't they? They've got that access to the strength that uh, the elf teams just don't. Um, and like we said, there's the danger with the armor value eight that they've got the highest armor value in the team and they can take the punishment that you don't want to jam them in. They've got that, in a weird kind of way, that armor value eight's really, really useful for them because, you know, if you do take the hits, they're going to stay on the pitch, but it's not something that you're going to use as a weapon against your opponent. It's just good that they've got it. Yeah, it's just incidental value. Um, you know, because they're hitting people, they're more likely to be hit, get hit back. Um, whereas gutter runs are always going to be running away. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be standing next to people just because they're a bit tougher. And because the, as you said, the strength access is so valuable. It's something that sort of a pseudo agility team doesn't usually get. So that's why it's, they're so important to the team because there's those two players that can get all of those skills that nobody else can get. Absolutely. And and I think I'd agree with you, Joe. There's there's those two roles you can build them, which is a killer and a sort of more support piece with the sort of guard, tackly type stuff first off yeah. about and then Mighty Blow later on. Um I think I probably think with this game and I just want to kill shit straight off the bat. I don't do you think the guard adds as much as it does to like an elf team? I don't I probably don't think it for me personally, probably mm. would try and get Mighty Blow and stuff earlier on because they're going to skill up quicker and then yeah, you can add those sorts of skills later. It's never a bad thing taking Mighty Blow first with the aim of skilling people up. I think we might have different play styles that are much more bothered about things like guard and like positioning people in ways. And I never ever think about killing people as like a primary it's, strategy. It's a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if it happens, it happens. But if you try for it as your, as your main plan, it, doesn't very often happen you know maybe 50 50 but like that means you're throwing away 50 percent of your games that you could have just won by you know trying to position people and you know outmaneuver your opponent i guess i mean they're both valid i think that's just i mean um, have you have you looked at the exact stats of claw mighty blow piling on removing of a player (laughs) it's not 50 50 joe is it sadly i have um but yeah (laughs) it's not 50 50 I was talking more about sort of lower level TVs. Once you do get to that okay. point where they do have claw pom, then that's a different story. Um, but even claw mighty blow is more than 50 50 of removing an opponent, like a normal opponent, straight off the bat, isn't it? So I, think, I can't remember the exact. I think it's 60 something percent of removing, of a, a like knockout or a, or a um, injury. Yeah, but I mean, you, you told the anecdote yourself about the DBL game where that was your strategy, your plan was just to kill people, and then it, it didn't turn out. So, you know. Um, there's two ways. There's more than one way of skinning a fish. I think, and I think it's just um, preference. I would say, that's rather right. than being right or wrong. No, well, that's very, very diplomatic of you to say, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> but, I am nothing if not magnanimous. <laughs> that's what they but say. Yeah, because because that, that's a playstyle I kind of go for. Like you can use your claw, mighty blow. I'll I'll have to check the stats. It's sixty something percent of removing an op- uh, of an opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're playing that, so like in that example where I had a roster of fifteen. Um, no, the example you're talking about, yeah, no, it's six seed in the underworld, but um, and the Norse as well when I was playing against a uh, a Kemri player where I had loads of linemen. Um, also a foul, if you're going to gang foul every turn, that's a really high, it's, you've got a one in three chance of going off as well, but it's a mm. high possibility of removing your opponent as well, especially with dirty player. So if you're doing two of those a turn and your opponent's got 11, even 12 players, you're going to be men up if you've got 16 statistically. So that's mm. the, the strategy a, that I'm talking about. 
It's a really interesting point is that it depends what point in your development you are because obviously I've spent a fair amount of time looking at this and that strategy that you talk about is really effective but being really 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 good is slightly more effective so you have to decide where you are on the the scale because if you're you know an average player then you can massively increase your win ratio just by going for the killing killing everything strategy but if you can be just really good at positioning your players everywhere, it actually makes you slightly worse. So if I can get a 60% win ratio just by putting my people in the right place, or a 65% win ratio by killing everything, then I'll go for the positioning one. But if you are a player with a, a natural 55% win ratio, then go for the killing thing. So you're going to be amazing. You're going to improve your win ratio by lows, and you're going to win more games, and it's going to be loads more fun for you. But you have to think about your development. Like, Do you want to get better to eventually become like, you know, getting on Team England or whatever, stuff like that? Or do you just want to stay at that level of just killing stuff? Interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. So that's a really good insight, Joe. I like it. So you would always play bubble on the, and you've said that already, and the, and the sort of basis that you're not going to remove any players and your opponent's not going to remove any players. And either way, it's a bonus, but hopefully the, the two of you are going to have better positioning and otherwise it's, yeah, it's a bonus if players go off, but you're going to play as if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, if you look, I, I look back on my stats, and I'm more likely to lose players than I am to take the players off. And that's deliberate. That's not bad luck or an accident. That's my play style, which is to, you know, sacrifice people to get position. Um, when you are, when a person who's going for kills, they can gain man advantage, but in order to do so, they have to sacrifice position to, to do that thing. So it's kind of like a much longer term strategy. Like you say, right, I'm going to give up position for the first five turns of this drive in order to try and kill everybody. So in the second half, I get a free reign of doing stuff. But it's that puts you in a place where you don't control the game anymore. You need to roll the dice. Maybe you roll sixes and all your armor dice. And then suddenly you've the game is out of your control now because you've put yourself in a you've gone down one lane and decided, well, this is the lane I'm going down. And then the dice haven't given you it. Whereas if you do your positioning stuff, every turn but also try and kill people if you can because you're stupid not to then you give yourself other options later in the, in the game for example and Skaven are a perfect team for that aren't they Joe in, mm. in the yeah, positioning style that you've said and that you're you're going to position your players as well as you possibly can and if you kill stuff then excellent and the blitzers are the dudes that are going to kill them aren't they hopefully they are pretty good at it. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> Pretty good. Well, good. That's an interesting little segue, listeners. We've gone down on the uh, Skaven Blitzer there, where Joe's has basically called me a numpty and a subpar blah blah player. Well, that's fine. We all knew that. I didn't mean to imply <laughs> anything of the sort. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and actually, the, the type of bash style I play is not necessarily to remove players. That's why I play humans and, and orcs, and I'm moving into the orc style, so I think that'll be really good for me. It's more of a using my armor to have position rather than my killiness actually because that's mm. like how i'm going to use my that's how i'm going to use my orcs in the game tomorrow night is like i like to use my armor value nine and my strength in the right places to make my opponent yeah you know, he's going to play humans he's going to have to dodge away from me i'm going to yeah. hopefully get those those battles correct it's, uh, if he you know if he loses players great but i'm not going to kill my opponent tomorrow i'm going to need mighty blow apart from mm. the troll and i and i personally think joe that trolls aren't actually particularly effective on an orc team it's just because i've got 110 kmr as well if i can take one but he's got really stupid so he's a bit of a liability yeah, but, yeah. They're cheap, so yeah but like it wasn't a disparagement on you it was more a sense of, of relative experience like if you were playing someone in their first ever game of love you would 
you, you wouldn't even think about, oh, my best way of kill it, winning this game was just to kill their players. You'd think, well, I'll just I'll take these free blocks. I'll take these easy um, positions. You see what I mean? And your your natural player style will just default to that sort of thing. So it's just, I think it's just a... No, no, no. I'm not having a go. I'm just, yeah. I'm just uh, finding Sorry, it. Sorry, I, I don't want, want you to feel like... No, no, not at all, Jen. I've got a very thick skin, don't worry. I'll just cut you off and I'll just talk for next, the next hour. Like edit, edit out all the bits that make you <laughs> feel bad. <laughs> make me sound amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Right, let's, listeners, move on to the Skaven Throwers, Joe. Like we talked about there, I mean, um, and I threw this out there and you sort of nodded and kind of shook your head and made some faces, but I think they're one of the minority of throwers that are actually extremely useful. A lot of throwers, particularly on agility teams, one never takes, but these Skaven throwers are pretty useful, aren't they? No, I, sorry, I, I do agree with you with that point. Yeah, um, um, yeah I think they are good. Um, I've, my experience with them is slightly spoiled because I once had an agility five one. Um, so <laughs> whenever I look at the player, I just Better assume that they come with agility five. Um, no, they're great, you know. Just just generally having a guy that's a different kind of ball carrier is a quite a luxury that a lot, most teams don't have. Most teams have one player that has the ball, or an elf team, everybody's the same. And you're probably going to carry the ball with this guy rather than a gutter runner in general, aren't you? Because he's, he's yeah. going to get blocked straight off the bat, so he's got block and short hands. Pick the ball up, and then you can't pop it very easily, and he's going to run around with it with pretty good speed. Yeah, and there are lots of teams where having um, a strength two ball carrier is really a bad thing. You know, if you're playing against other elf teams, um, then you don't want to be letting them dodge into the cage for two dice sort of stuff. And the thing about that's really good about a throw is you can pick the ball up, start with him as a ball carrier, and then if you ever get under pressure, just hand off to a gutter on it. Absolutely, and, that, and people use that a lot, don't they? And they often hand it off and pass it around and do things with the throw at the back, don't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, his development path is a little less exciting than the other guys. Isn't um, <laughs> he's got. He's, no I mean, block is first off the bat, isn't he? You don't really yeah, take yeah. anything but block. Um, could you, I mean, some people talk about actually having a thrower and going like accurate early on, but it's not not for you. Um, it's not terrible, but you know, um, his his agility three kind of makes throwing a little bit yucky. Like um, a thrower with. Accurate is the same as a gutter runner, apart from the pass skill, obviously. But if you've got the team reroll, then that's exactly the same thing. Because um, you're you only going to pa pass once a game or something, you would think. Hope. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. If you're passing seven or eight times a game, you're in trouble. Um, would you take dodge or um, or uh, strength? Um, on the thrower. Yeah. Um, oh, if you roll double six. Yeah, do you think strength oh, yeah. is good? The strength, or yeah, always yeah. strength. Yeah. Always strength. There's actually a couple of other guys have said, you know, strength is not really a big thing to write him about and actually going for the blodge guy, especially if you've already got block. It's, well, the it's team really likes strength. So your team. If he did roll strength, you could just stop using him as a thrower and start using him as a blocker and then buy a second thrower because the team is so starved of high strength players and in that situation, you just do that, I think. I think that's the other, the one last thing to go into the thrower. Because, yeah, as you said, he's not, he's good. He's just not particularly exciting. There's like not loads of things you take on him. Um, one, or, one or two throwers, really one thrower, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, pretty much. It's, yeah. It's not because they're... In a league. But yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not because they're not nice. It's just because um, there's so many other priorities. One's good, but if you've got so much money, you have to kind of replace players like linemen and gush owners and blitzers quite a lot. So buying the second thrower is such a low priority that you, you, you'd you have it if you had 70k just 
rolling around, but you're never going to do that. Like even if you've got 70k in the bank, you'll think, well, what if a gutter and a die is next game? And so you'll just keep the money. Right, we've got two more players, Joe. Before we move on to a, a quick chat about tournaments, um, what do we think about the uh, the Skaven linemen? I mean, they're not useless. They're not, you know, they, they can definitely do a job. Um, but there's not a lot of skill pass to go as there. Kick, kick probably is a good skill to take on them. Wrestle, I think, is the first thing you want to look at because um, mm-hmm. they're fast as well. They got that speed to to be a sacker. Yeah, and because well, the di- um, difference between block and wrestle is that if you're a Skaven lineman and you are blocking, say, a dwarf blocker, and you roll a both down, then that means next turn they get to hit you, and you die. Um, but if you've got wrestle, then you both go down, and that's amazing because you've got to move at seven. You can just run away, and they've got to move at four. <laughs> God turn, I think, yeah. And they, what yeah. can they get, what they're going to do on their turn? Stand back up and move one square. Great. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So yeah, their wrestle on them is amazing. It's great. You know, one or two line with a wrestle really does improve the team. It's like it's uh, underrated, I think. They won't live very long, but yeah, whilst they do, yeah. other guys will be skilling up and taking their place. In the I mean, it's funny. They're one of the, I know. I mean, they're one of the players where it's like um, you don't even need to think about A lot of people talk about cutting and rebuying players. You're not going to be cutting and rebuying a skim line. He's just going to be dead. <laughs> so, yeah, they recycle themselves. You know, they're, they're kind that way. <laughs> they're really good for the environment these skaters yeah, they're green <laughs> but so where, would you put kick on these guys or would you put kick elsewhere in the team if you're going to take kick in here because I really like kick and I think it's it's got a good place on a skaven team um, I would if I was going to take kick I would take it on alignment the only problem is how many spaces do you have that kick works from because if you have seven positions yeah you, you have your lineman on the line and all that yeah stuff. so there's only one lineman on the team so you have to uh there's only one spot that the lineman can go there's only one lineman that isn't on the line of scrimmage and he has to be in the, the right kick place so if you start getting second throwers and stuff then you start to he can't be in the place but yeah definitely kicks an option because you'd only put lineman on the line you would never put a blitzer or anything like that anything any madness like that on the line would you no 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 <laughs> Dirty player on a lineman, would that ever feature? Or not really? Um, yeah, it's fine. Like, I think it's probably better than I give it credit for. I'm just not a person who fouls ever. And so I just never take dirty player. Um, but probably is pretty good. Interestingly, the, the only the only experience I have of Skaven lineman is on an underworld team when I had two of them. Um, and one of them rolled a double and one of them rolled an agility. So I had a guard and an agility for Skaven linemen, both actually really good pieces. But, yeah, <laughs> do. Yeah. but on a Skaven team, wouldn't be the same because you know, they've got guard. Uh, plus agility linemen is great, you know, because yeah. he suddenly becomes an extra gutter runner, effectively. Another man who can keep up with the cage whilst everyone's running away, afraid for their lives. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really characteristic of the Skaven, isn't it? They're trying to run away from everybody at all times. Yep. Yeah. Let's one of the most thematic teams in Blood <laughs> It's good when they get that right, because I love the themes and all that stuff. It's it's really good. Right, the Ratuga. We've had a bit of a chat about him already. Um, like you said, he, he adds a bit of extra strength to the team, mm-hmm. if you if you want to use that, and some hitting. He can tie people up as well, so he can do those sorts of bits. But as you get later down the line, like you said, your, your blitzers are going to be doing the hitting anyway, so he can tie up, but the wild animal kind of holds him back. Um, yeah, single rolls. I mean, like he's probably not going to be going down the guard route necessarily. He can, but necessarily maybe stand firm and juggernaut and things like I that. Think juggernaut is so good for him. Um, yeah. 
as a guy with frenzy that is just an automatically first choice i think on um normal skills uh guard's fine as a second skill you know sanfer also good i take sanfer first personally it's much of a muchness yeah because i don't think guard's gonna add blades no it's the only reason you take guard it's not because it's good on a matoga it's because it's good on the team overall and they have very few players who can actually get access to it so that's the only reason you might possibly think of taking guard as you say, it's, he's very bad at positioning and you want your guard players to be able to put themselves in the right places. It's like yeah. if he's got it and he's in the right place, it's a bonus. It's not like you've done it by like yeah. design. He's just, oh, well, he's there. I've got a guard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not ideal. But yeah, if he rolls a double, then he becomes a slightly different player, doesn't he? Yeah, when he gets blocked, he's suddenly actually a real player on the team rather than just some guy <laughs> who sometimes does amazing things and sometimes just ruins the game. Is that reliable blitz? I mean, and that's the interesting thing when it comes down to, bl- to block big guys. It's not actually statistically that unlikely to roll a block on your first one or two skills. Yeah. And I know you've said on the Skaven, like, yeah, you, if you're going to use him, you want him early because then hopefully first one or two skills, the statistics go up and they're well above 50% of actually rolling a double. And it was always like, oh my God, he's got a block big guy, but it's not that unlikely. Like it happens no, I mean, much, much is- more often than not. Block is absolutely amazing. On a big guy, obviously, but Juggernaut is also fine. Um, it, it's it's ninety percent of a block on a big guy uh, on on this particular big guy. Um, Where he's got to be blitzing anyway. Yeah. So, like, if you that's the reason I would say to to buy him early if you want to skill him because you can get the Juggernaut and actually start using the player. Excellent. Well, I think that um, covers the roster for uh, a league build, Joe. Let's um let's take another quick break and we'll come back and chat about Skaven in the tournament setting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the final segment of this Skaven race review, where Joe Manji and I are going to discuss uh, Skaven for a tournament, um, which I'm very excited about. I love tournaments, Joe, don't you? I do, very much do. Sadly, we haven't been able to go to any for a very long time, have we? It's very sad. No, it's terrible. I know. But we will be together again, Joe, don't worry. Like the Queen says, we will meet again. (laughs) <laughs> but yes we will go back to tournaments um so joe taken skaven much to tournaments yeah three or four times not a huge amount um they're kind of uh they're not my favorite team i know there's a lot of people who enjoy them but they i don't if i'm gonna do agility i kind of do elves um they tend to die quite a lot uh, <laughs> well skaven and skaven always always sit in that tier one uh, position don't they yeah actually that's a really good point um they are the, the, the one of the worst teams in tier one. Um, so they're very unattractive to pick in most tournaments where they have tiers. Because if you want to take a good team, you take the four really good teams. Um, and if you're going to take something interesting, you take the top teams in tier two, like humans or necromantic or pro elves, because you get some extra skills to play with, have a bit of fun in that way. What are the four really good teams, Joe, for tournaments? 
Oh, um, Dark Elves, Wood Elves, Undead Lizardmen. So, like, and Skaven often get lumped in that. And interestingly, like, you get, like, dwarves and orcs as well, which, <laughs> which are just yeah. not in the same tier. No, not at all. And the interesting thing about tiers is that um, those four good teams are... are, are the gap between them and the, the rest of tier one is bigger than the gap between Skaven and Necromantic um, yeah. by a noticeable amount, but then people just lump them in together. They just decide that Skaven is the end and Necromantic is the beginning. Um, but Wood Elves are way much better than Skaven than Skaven are better than Necromantic. And, and I always love, so I've started building in more like five or six tiers. And I think sort of five or six is the sweet spot. Probably six is the sweet spot for tournaments where you can just split them down a little bit more. Um, and particularly a little bit lower down where you've got your like Nurgle, uh, Chaos Pact and Chaos and Corn and stuff that sort of don't quite sit like where you want them to. And you can just spread them a little bit and give yeah. few things a few extra skills. Yeah, I really liked the UKTC rules from earlier this year where they had, I think it was maybe in seven, but that might be too much, but six is great, I think. Just splitting six tier is one, perfect. yeah, is, it would be really good. And actually, like, tier three, because you often get, like, you kind of get a load of stuff sort of, you know, just above, you, it's almost like, just take stunties out, and then let's tier everything, because, yeah. you know, we've got the stunty tier, that's fine. <laughs> but then you get, like, like your vampires and your corn, like, I've seen, like, vampires, corn, like, chaos, packed and stuff all in the same tier before and it's just mm -hmm. like it just it just doesn't make sense like you've got to split those up a little bit and try and move it around and sure. that's where the, the more tiers comes in but skaven never benefit from that do they they're always going to be tier one yeah they're always punished um and th for that reason i think people play them a little bit less there was a, um a time maybe eight or nine years ago they were quite popular um we saw them here about quite a few times um but they kind of fall out of favor favor as dark elves have sort of risen up in popularity do skaven not feature as a as an also include in like an eight-man team then at the moment then are they not really taken nope i don't think we've taken them for three or four years i think in I think last, yeah. yeah i think the last time we took them was in denmark which was 2014 so not for a while and they fall to the wayside for wood elves dark elves and those sorts of agility teams instead well, necromantic is the thing that's pushed them out the tier blood balls come in in that time and necromantic are just blowing everything away because they're clearly the best team in tier two so necromantic and humans are sort of pushed out sort of chaos dwarf skaven sort of races interesting and that's probably why team wells been looking at me because i'm a human player but they haven't taken me yet because i haven't played in enough tournaments so i haven't appeared in stuff because i tend to joe as you know i take i just take what i want so i get to tournaments and play stuff and every most events I wouldn't say every. Most events I've been to with humans, I've done really well in because I just take them, but I haven't played enough. Apparently, you have to play, you have to get above 200 and have played enough games to like be considered in the team. Well, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. They, 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 well, it's not. It's not just that. It's that. It's that. Like I expected, because Gab's now in Team Wells, and he's like, you, you kind of need to appear on their radar for some reason. And like, there's some guys who played for years, but if you right. get your races above 200 and you played loads of games, then you're fine. I'm like, well, I yeah. played like a load of games, and I'm like 192 or something. I do really yeah. well with humans. Like I can play humans really well. If you want me to play them, I'll play them. <laughs> it's, like, it's 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 an interesting thing, isn't it? The most important part of getting picked is people knowing you exist. Um, that's that's the only thing you need to do first basically and the stats worry about themselves later 
And it's interesting. I can uh, I can wildly speculate in a way that Joe Manji can't. But um, I've spoken about to a couple of other people on this podcast about uh, you know necromantic possibly getting changed in a new blood bowl whenever that may or may not come out, uh, which would be really interesting. And that could, as Joe Manji said, and he can't speculate or comment in any way, uh, change how the necro are being used on the tournament team because the NAF might not even allow it. But you know I can speculate wildly, uh, however I want. Um, and we spoke actually, Joe and. You don't have to comment, but um, we had the undead one. So we spoke about uh, the new um, undead uh, player, the Banshee girl. And we were like, oh, oh yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah, she's she, cool. I thought she was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how she might be a feature in the new Necro team, because that's been like a rumor that's been going around, um, which you may or may not comment on if you want to. <laughs> he's like, he's raising his hands and saying, no, I won't. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, but we spoke about her. She was, she was cool, but she, we were like looking through all the stuff. Like, so me and Greta spoke about her and she's got like all of the cool, you're sort of reading through her stats. She's like, she's got all the stuff you might want in like a ball handler, but oh, she can't ball handle and she can't sack. So we, mm-hmm. we concluded that, you know, if we were to get a player at some point that was more of a skillable player, then she might be like a, a more a player you could skill but as a star she didn't really have the stuff that you need yeah it's really interesting i mean i like her just because she's different it's a different thing that we don't really see very often um or haven't seen before so yeah just for that reason i think she's cool yeah i mean it's like no hands agility for is nothing that we've ever seen before really is it yeah, so, pretty much yeah. so it'd be interesting if we saw that sort of thing coming in but anyway, Skaven and Tournament. I can't even remember where my train of thought was going. I was talking about Skaven and Tournaments. Oh, yes, and how they were being pushed out by Necro and humans and all that sure. sort of thing. Um, and how they're always tier one. So, and that's, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the drawbacks before we talk about a couple of builds, Joe, is, is that often as a tournament player, um, unless you're going, so there's two, two reasons to go to a tournament, isn't there, Joe? There's to go and win, if you want to yeah. go and be really competitive and win the event, or there's to go and have fun in some fashion, whether that's for the fluff or your friends or to try something different or something like that and Skaven kind of almost don't fall into either of those because if you're being a competitive player you're looking for the holes in quote-unquote holes in the pack which Skaven never fall into and if you're a fluff player you know Skaven you can you can take Skaven and do okay but they don't ever have enough skills to or you know stars or money to do that yeah you're spot on there you're absolutely right like they're not there are some teams you can take for fun, like fun builds, like, you know, you could take um, High Elves with Prince Moranian or something like that. But Skaven don't even do that very well because, like, if you take Skaven with a star player, you've got, like, an 11-man team of Armour 7, and they all just die. And then you don't, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't get to have your fun with your thing. And they don't have enough yeah. stats. They, don't, they never get enough skills or money to, yeah. to, to like, make it fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a problem, isn't it? But, but you can do very well with them. Like, they've got the agility for them. They still do... What we've been discussing, Joe, and the tactics for the whole time, they still do that. It's just as a as a super competitive player, like we said, in a in a team environment, or if you're really trying to go and play the meta, like yeah. they don't ever fill those gaps really. So what's what's the sort of couple of builds you've got going on well, there? Um, there's two kind of builds because what I just said about what we've just been discussing about Skaven is quite an English centric way. Actually, they're actually really popular in Italy. Um, bizarrely, okay. they really rate them over there, but they play them completely differently. I'll probably just talk about the normal English way first. Yeah, go for the um, English one and then go for the Italian version. Sure. So um, I think I said earlier, uh, Jim Jiminy once described uh, Skaven as a Ratoga delivery system. And so the Ratoga team would be Ratoga, four Wetterunners, two Blitzers, one Thrower, four Linemen, so that's 12 players. And you get two rerolls and an Apo. And then you could take Leader as okay. one of your skills on the Thrower. 
So 12 players up, uh, three-year-olds with leader, and you've got your Ratoga. And the whole game plan there is just to jam the Ratoga in next to the ball carrier, mark everybody else, all your players, and then get the ball to break down, get your Skaven to run in and, and grab things. Um, because 12 on Apo isn't a huge amount of players for Armour 17. You have, you're kind of forced into play aggressively with that roster. Um, if you wanted to play a more sort of passive way, you could just drop the Ratoga and swap in for three linemen, and then you've got a huge bench, and you can sort of you know play a bit of more of a standard game and sort of stand off if you want to. And the Italian roster is that were the one without the Ratoga, but the thing they do differently is that they just try and kill things. So they'll take Mighty Blow on both of their Blitzers, and they'll quite often take Claw on alignment as well. Really? Yeah, it's so really... if you, But that's the thing, if, if you can get a double, which uh, often Skaven don't. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it depends what skills. I think maybe Italy they do more doubles or something. But um, yeah, if that's only if there's a double available. But they'll take Claw rather than a Block Garatoga or a Two-Heads Gutter or anything like that. But that's what they'll take. Um, and the idea is that if you can get men up with Skaven, you just win the game automatically. But if you can just keep in contact, so if the book, if the game gets down to nine aside, then the Skaven are still better off. Gets down to eight aside, the Skaven are even more advantaged. So the fewer players on the pitch, the better gutter runners become. Okay. Because you can just run the miles away from anybody. Like if you're playing undead and you kill a white, a zombie, and a skeleton or something, suddenly they're really slow undead. And then you've got four gutter runners with nine just going, woo, over here somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole game plan um, with the Italian one. Interesting, but as you've already said, if you're relying on killing shit, then that's not necessarily the best way to play Blood Bowl, is it, Joe? I said I definitely said it wasn't, uh, but that's also a preference thing. <laughs> like, it's it's a way. It's not a way yeah. you would play. Well, the, the Italians love it, but England have won the last five Euro Bowls, so you can decide what that means. Uh, take <laughs> yourself what, from that what you want but <laughs> that's fair enough so but that's weird so they don't put claw they don't even put claw on the rat ogre they don't double down they go claw on like a lineman somewhere and no then... they hate the rat ogre just don't oh they don't take the rat ogre sorry no they take a bench and then okay yeah so because they foul as well with their bench well, that makes sense. I mean, I played. Um, so I played a dude quite recently on uh, one of the NAF live events on Fumble, and that's one of the really cool things about this Fumble stuff, where a lot of us only get to play international tournaments, like sort of fairly infrequently. I played at Blood Bowl overseas once so far, and I was hoping to go to uh, the Blood World Cup this year. I had to work, and actually, I was down for the Bilbao Cup. Um, sure. They've got a Bilbao team event that would be yeah, super yeah, that's fun. Really good. That's great. I'm, I'm really looking. So hopefully next year they'll they'll be on. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So often don't get to play the Europeans. So I've, you know, not played the European style of Blood Bowl that much. Um, but I played a, a Elven Union team recently on the Nafli with my humans, which is an Elven Union fouling team. Apparently this is a European thing. Yeah, the French love it. Absolutely so he love had, it. He had two Elven Union linemen with Dirty Player. And I was like, oh, fuck's going on here? Yeah. And, and he did foul night he's like, off. So he, he, it worked. But he did say to me, he did say to me, he's like, he's not a, a, he wasn't a super competitive player. And he was like, yeah, this literally works like less than 50% of the time. Sometimes it works. Sometimes all my players get sent off and it never works. I don't really understand it. So I don't know if he does it correctly or not. But. Well, there's, um, there's a guy, I don't know if you met him, called Simon ACP. He's just had a kid, so he's disappeared a little bit. But he's one of the best players in the world, in my opinion. And he plays that um, pro-off team with two dirty players 
quite often. He loves it. So it's uh, it's definitely a thing that people do. Um, it the does French work. just love fouling in general. They're just every team they play, they'll just foul like mad. Well, thing is, I'm, right. I'm, I just don't like. I'm it. just trying to get my head around the stats because you've got a one in three chance of losing your own player every time. Yeah, and with a dirty player guy, is it is it more than that to remove their player? How much not, more is it? It's not that great. It's still not in your favour if you've got a dirty player. I think it's just aggressive. I guess. And it plays mind games with your opponent, I guess, in a sort of weird kind of way. Well, they tend to do it with, like, that pro-off team's got 13 players, um, and the Norse team that Wolfen takes has got, like, 14 players as well. Yeah, he's, so, he played that against me. Yeah, so what they're doing is they're just trying to... Because um, they're doing it in combination with trying to kill people with the snow troll or whatever, so they're just trying to, you know, I'll kill three of your guys, and two of my guys get sent off, but then I've got a bench, so in the second half, I'm, I'm three men up sort of thing that's right yeah yeah i just yeah i can see but and i guess with that union team he did and the union linemen are cheap enough i guess that's why they do it because they're they're much cheaper linemen that yeah. sort of makes sense but yeah doesn't have a place on the on the skaven team in quite the same kind of way you're not going to dirty player it up are you um well i mean that is um that's definitely the italian style i think they they might take a dirty player on a line that um with that bench if, yeah, yeah, with so they got bench. 13, 14 players probably. Yeah, they'll have um, yeah, they'll have 14 players and an apple. Um, What's the English style, <laughs> Joe? What do we take when we go for Skaven in an event? Uh, well, usually um, Juggernaut or Block, if you can get it on the Ratoga, leader on the thrower. Um, do you take a Ratoga? I do, if I take them, yeah. Because um, you've got the money, the money, like to easily fit them in. Yeah, sometimes a build that was really popular actually was triple guard. So you'd take double guard on the uh, blitzers and then a guard gutter on it as a double. Okay. And the whole, the idea of that is just to mitigate your strength deficiency. So suddenly you can actually hit back at them. And, you know, the way that you lose with a weak team is getting pushed back every turn. People just roll over you and then you can't dodge away effectively and then you can't block back if you've got three guard then you can actually make a line and stick to that line that makes sense and, but if you had a rat ogre there as well you could take a fourth guard potentially yeah that i think i think juggernaut um is just actually being able to hit with him is better than having the guard i think because you can't actually put that guard in the place that you want it to be <laughs> without having just, with him first i just can't get my head around that though like if you surely you would take two guard on the uh on the blitzers and block on the rat ogre if you've got them would be better. Like I can't, I just can't see why the double would be better taking guard on the gutter runner because you've just got so much more to do with the rat ogre in that situation. It's because you can take juggernaut. So oh, so you've got juggernaut. Yeah, okay. So you're blitzing with him. Yeah, you're 100 percent correct that block is better than guard, but you, it's it's the case of the four skills that you'd have. So you can have the two guard and the block rat ogre and something else, or you can have two guard and the juggernaut and the third guard. So yeah, that, that four is better than the other four that you get. Oh yeah, so yeah, that makes sense in that situation. Okay, well I've got um I've got a silly build to go on to Joe, which I you know, talk talk okay. about briefly before we move on. Just um just a star build, and we've talked about it a little bit um before when we were talking about the uh, swinging ball and chain dudes. And I'm proposing that you take ball and chains on the Skaven team because you've also got that speed to go around with it. You know, like essentially what Wolfen took but yeah. with rats. Um, so I'm going to go, so I've gone for a, a 1.2 because I think that actually rats, you're not going to fit the, st 
like as we've talked about, fitting stars into a rats team is just not going to work unless you've got a higher level. So 1.2 um, doesn't really matter whether you can fit the stars into 11 or not, but I've got one where you, you don't have to. I think you get 13 players. Okay. Um, you, get, you take all four gutter runners, yeah. uh, both blitzers and the thrower. Yeah. And then you get both hack phlegm and fez glitch Ooh. and two line rats. Um, and then you're going to only have, I think you can only get one re-roll and leader on the thrower. So you're going to have two re-rolls, but you've got both uh, ball and chains off the line to effectively do what we were talking about. You've got a bit more strength to push back at them with the four gutter runners to do things. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think to that sort of list? It's definitely interesting. Um, 1.2 lets you do all sorts of fun things. Um, and you'd be surprised how many people are doing more like, so even Pearlie's 1.16 in the last one and 1.2 in the um so in the london leagues we're playing in now all the bromley ones are close to 1.2 i do a 1.2 one as well so it's becoming more prevalent in the london scene for sure if i was doing a 1.2 with skaven i'd definitely look at some kind of star player because the extra stuff you get is not that interesting it doesn't make the team better to have just loads and loads of linemen but if you can <laughs> you know you can get linemen to 16 or something but it's not actually vastly improving what's on the pitch but getting that star player improves the actual 11 players you put on the pitch. So, yeah, definitely. So you think, so you think there's two ways to go. There's like a more of a strength side with ball and chains. And um, I think there's probably the only options unless you're going to take things like, unless you're allowed Bob and Morgs and stuff, um, or you can go the gutter runner way. But as you've said, do they improve the gutter runners you've got on the pitch? Yeah. I th if I was going to take a star, I'd want something that I wanted. I'd want a player that did something completely new and different. So I'd, I'm going to try Creek at some point, I think. He just looks really interesting. And I want to see if the French are right about moaning about him. Um, but uh, the other thing is... OP! Yeah. Glart, fat Glart, I think. If, but 1.2, if I could fit him in, that might be interesting. So what, Fat Glart and just the and Gus Runners and no, no Ratoga? Would you go Ratoga in that yeah, sort no, of build? I don't think you could afford them both. Um, okay. Yes. But yeah, he's, he's 190. Ratoga's 150. So it's only 40 extra. Yeah, it's basically instead of holes the front of the line, yeah. you get guard on your two blitzers, so you can really push yeah. that up, probably. But 40k, um, Glart, Fat Glart, is significantly better than a Ratoga, um, which is why these star players are so weird, because like, you get situations like that where, like, oh, he's actually only a little bit more and miles better, and then you get people like Hackflem, who's like, or sorry, Head Splitter, who's like, Three times as much, and yeah. just the same. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, there was there was an interesting um, like someone did some I don't know some Danish dude or something did like a whole spreadsheet of all the stars and how like and he actually I think he did a bit of maths about them within their different races as well and how effective they were within it. But like and the most the most expensive stars were things like you know like the count where it's like he's so expensive. Yeah. But actually but actually when you juxtapose you juxtapose strength five and agility four, it's ridiculously good. So there's there's different ways to like look at the prices and how they end up falling. I remember when um, Count Luther was 180k. Um, <laughs> and that was a time where there was a loophole in the rules where you could um, have a mercenary player for half price. Wow. And you could also duplicate stars. So I went to a tournament once where somebody had four Count Luthors in their team. <laughs> And they paid 90k for each of them. So it's almost <laughs> the same as a ghoul. Like, shall I have a ghoul? Used to, or shall I have a strength five, agility four vampire? And he used to have Mighty Blow and uh, I, think, I think he had Blodge at one point, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, was the same, he was the same, except he had Dodge instead of Sidestep. Yeah. He, so he strength five, Blodger, four of them. <laughs>
<laughs> why not take it yeah and and i mean that's that's the thing about stars isn't it it's like, and i've i had a discussion before we sort of close this out here i think we get into the end of um the tournament section and the end of the podcast but um a discussion about uh stars with someone else and i kind of think like there's almost like there almost should be two costs for stars because i don't know what you think but when you play them in leagues like i think a lot of them some of them aren't but a lot of them are too expensive and mm. in a weird kind of way you should not be paying less but be but get more for your bang for your buck when you're like the underdog player and actually if a lot of stars were cheaper they'd bring more to an underdog team and it's a little bit of a weakness in the new game because if you look just before you come back if you look at the old game um and you i'm sure you played this but i played um a lot of the old rules i've actually played in canada recently last few years where they still have all the old cards which are super overpowered like the old 400k 200k cards I say overpowered, but they actually balance the game. So I came into this Canadian league um, where they play, you can have a team for up to six seasons. So I came into this league with 1,000 TV humans um, and I had a fucking great time. I played, my first game was against um, 2,200 TV dwarves. Um, so I took Morg, Bertha, and two, four, uh, I think I had a, no, I had a 400k card and a 200k card, maybe another card. But I basically ended up with Morg, an ogre, Bertha, and then one of my cards was um, the old, de- was an extra death roll. It was a groundsman. Oh, card. yeah. You remember that? Yeah. So, I had, so I had the death roller coming on behind him, Morg, Bertha, and an ogre, and my other 400k card was he had no rerolls, and he was a dwarf <laughs> team. And I was like, cool, well, I'm just going to destroy you now. Like, great. Like, that's a 1,000 TV human team. And those cards were like, were awesome. They really balanced the game. And I wonder if cheaper stars, I know GW, and it's interesting, Joe, GW love their cards. I know they play them a lot. Like, Gegster plays them a lot as well up in Warhammer World. They do love the new cards coming in, and we just don't really use them. But I just don't know if it balances the game at the moment um, for underdog teams in the league. No, I mean, I think the thing about star players is that they're not consistently priced in leagues anyway. Like, if you are playing in a league, Fezquitch for 100k, it's cool. That's actually really good value. Um, but then if you, some of the undead ones. Head splitter. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> like all the, all the undead ones, ones there, there's nothing in there that you're going to go, oh, wow, that's really good value. Or have that one. Like, you know, 200k for that Banshee person. Like, it's not, not the same amount of bang for buck. And that's, that's the inherent problem, isn't it? They're not, in a way, kind of, it's not balanced for leagues. They don't, they didn't add value in the league environment in a way that they probably should. Yeah. I don't, I'm torn on it because I don't want to play against Roxana Dark now every single week. <laughs> and that's saying maybe it's some stars and not other stars. And I think that's the inherent problem is it because it's such a deep rooted game that's gone on for so many years. It, you can't untangle all of that. Mm. And if your games workshop coming out of this game, you're like, I can't just delete everything. <laughs> like I've gotta, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got to keep some stuff and move other stuff. So it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, going slightly back to team building in tournaments, I think one thing um, we didn't mention is that skill in the gutter on us, one of the first ones you want to get is quite often the um, the ball sacker. So a strip ball guy. Some people take a dauntless guy instead or a wrestle guy. So just straight um, out strip ball on, yeah. with no other skills. Yeah, because you Generally, you can only have one skill per player. Um, yeah. But then they're the kind of skills you can get. So one skill that's goes against the ball carrier um and the reason that's more valuable in a tournament is because of resurrection obviously you can just go into the cage on a five up every single turn because it's not affecting future games um so in a league you don't want to be doing that every single turn every single game because you'll just kill your gutterness they'll all die instantly and not instantly but over the course of your first few games and then your, your team will be dead 
but in a team tournament, you can do that. Sorry, in a, a resurrection tournament, you can do that every single turn of six games over a weekend. Just get that gutter runner, five plus, in he goes. Um, and it's a lot more attractive option. And against, um, I guess, most of the higher tier teams don't have shorthands and won't take yeah. shorthands. Yeah, Wood Elves, um, Dark Elves, Undead, Lizard Men, none of them take shorthands. And it was statistically, best, that's the best skill to get the ball? Uh, strip ball is, yeah. Um, I think so. Because um, you're going from a pal, you're, you're basically adding all of the other options other than a skull and a both down, aren't you? So you yeah. must be. It's just a three yeah, plus. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what the other guy's got, basically. Um, and whether you want to keep your own guy alive. Um, if he's got short hands, it does. It reduces it right down to, even then it's a four plus. Like jumping in and oh no no because you sorry I'm I'm thinking you got two dice uphill yeah so it's not it's not just like a straight up three plus yeah, yeah. No, that's, so that's, that's why I strip ball because it's the two dice rather yeah. uphill two dice uphill yeah so and and you would only use it if they haven't got short hands if not yeah but like even with wrestle if you're um, if the other guy has got block rather than dodge on their ball carrier you're still looking at a one in four of getting them down on a half dice so fifty five going fifty five cent going in twenty five cent get the ball down um. That's really good odds. If you, if you can try that three times in a drive, brilliant. You know, you're probably going to get the ball down. And it exponentially goes up. Yeah, well, that mm. makes that makes really good sense. All right, Joe, yeah. I think that um, that brings to an end the tournament section. Have you got anything more to add on using Skaven in a tournament? So you don't use them much anyway, do you? Because they're not, not really. optimal enough. <laughs> no. It's too much of a power gamer. Um, and anything more to add on the Skaven in the podcast overall? No, I don't think so. Just to say thank you for having me on. It was very fun. Uh, you're very welcome. And uh, uh, Joe, you've got a Patreon going on, haven't you? Yeah, it's not. Um, I'm not doing too much on it there, but um, there's still a lot of uh, historical articles I wrote for the 2019 World Cup. So one for almost every team. And there's lots of you know interesting uh, tactics, uh, tips and stuff in there. So if you're interested in that, you can always check it out. Yeah, and I actually, I am a, I'm a subscriber, Joe. You I, are every one month of my or few so. Remaining Patreons. <laughs> every month or so, it like takes money out of my account, and I'm like, I should really cancel that. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> um, yeah. And I did read all the World Cup ones; they were really good. And um, what's your, what's the Patreon if people want to go on it? Is it just Jay Manji? I think so. Let me check. Yeah, J as J. It's just Jay Manji. Yeah, just Jay Manji. Yeah, and 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 if yeah, and it was it's a bit annoying really, Joe, in a way, because the World Cup build was so unique. And mm. if, if they'd done like a more generic build, it would be a really useful general tool. But <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to go back and do some Patreons for like a more general general build style. I think people will watch it. Yeah, I've got stuff I've got lined up. Like this is part of the reason I've joined this um, Spike uh, Blood Bowl Two tournament. You're on my team for was just to get some more games played to actually have some content to make. Uh, videos about because picking up random games on Blood Bowl 2 it's just the quality is so poor that um, you can't actually make any interesting videos about it well I, I'm quite interested in like running some sort of like games where actually we we could even play and try and commentate and talk about it I don't know how that would work but mm -hmm. how we could play each other and talk about how we're playing and how we're doing stuff and I'd be more than willing to do that if you think that's something that'd be valuable Sure. Yeah. Um, we'll have a look into it because I was thinking about it in my head, and it'd be quite difficult to actually discuss play as you're playing because you don't. <laughs> you don't want to give you're trying to play your opponent. Away, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't tell what you're doing, but we could we could forget it. We could figure it out. We could do. It might be more fun if you're if you want to like um to do with someone who's willing to play against you rather than 
you know, going back over it and trying to commentate on something you've already done and like talk about doing different stuff. So yeah, maybe maybe we co we could collab, Joe. We'll talk about that in the future. Sure. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Joe. And uh, maybe we'll talk about um, some other races um, in the next few weeks. I mean, I've got nothing else to do. Have you? <laughs> no, me neither. I'm just stuck at home. <laughs> thanks for listening, listeners. And I'm sure we'll bring some more reviews to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.